0: Hi, we have come to share a message with you about a dark comedy film called Ronald's Little Factory. My name is Brent Bachboy. I'm a filmmaker from San Diego putting together my first feature film. The film is about a young Mormon in the 1980s who becomes tempted to commit one of the worst known sins to God and mankind.
1: Within your body, you have the power of creation. When this power begins to form, It might be likened to having a little factory in your body. There is, however, something you should not do. Sometimes a young man does not understand. Perhaps he is encouraged by unwise or unworthy companions to tamper with that factory. He might fondle himself and open that release valve. This you should not do. It is of the devil. Latter-day Saint young men men are not to do this. It is of the devil. It is at the death, it is at the death. It is at the death, the death. Riddle! <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is infants on thrones. The philosophies of men
3: mingled with humor. We are the core. Yay!
1: After your faith has let you down. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone
2: welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 670 little factories big screens and today i have the pleasure of sitting down with filmmaker Brent Bakavoy. Is that how you say your name, Brent? We'll, we'll figure it out. He's doing a Kickstarter campaign to try to make a little factory story into a movie. We're gonna talk about that today, providing a link on the website to go to his Kickstarter campaign. You can see the trailer for yourself and see if it's something that you wanna help make happen or not. And uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna to do today. So let's just turn it over to, to me and Brent. Come on, Come on, me and Brent. Come on, me and Brent. Let's go. So, welcome to Infants on Thrones*, Brent. How do you pronounce your last name? Bakavoy. Bakavoy. What? Yeah. Tell tell me. What what is the what what's <laughs> Bakavoy? What, what what kind of a name is that? What is it's that Russian. Him? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Are you one of the bad guys, Brent? Pretty much. That's yeah. what. Uh, that's what. I have
0: a stalker right now that thinks I'm a bad guy. So.
2: The, really, you've got a stalker?
0: Yeah, I've put up my movie, and I, I knew I was going to get stalkers, but I, I've got one that's—he's been stalking me for the last week.
2: Which Which movie is this?
0: Uh, Ronald's Little Factory. Oh. I, I, okay. So I put up um, Ronald's Little Factory um, my crowdfunding Kickstarter page. I actually put that up on YouTube uh, on uh, a. Utah filmmaker page mm-hmm. and this guy that saw it there is just going crazy and he's an active church member, but he's been, he, he's started his own post. He posted about 10 times on my, I haven't responded one time. He's literally <laughs> spent about 20 messages publicly and then he's sent me multiple private messages. I haven't responded to one time. And so he's obviously not very happy about I'm it.
2: I'm kind of jealous, Brent, you know, because, like, I've been doing Infants on Thrones for eight years now. I don't have a Stalkers that I know of.
0: I should send, the, I should send uh, his. I don't uh, want
2: them, though. I don't you want don't Stalkers.
0: Want no, I don't want Stalkers. Uh, I, I, I should really send uh, this guy that your, uh, your shows.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a, a a mark of accomplishment that you've you've got a stalker, though.
0: Well, I seriously, I wanted to ask him. Um, I, ser- well, I was seriously going to ask him how much he would pay to be my, or how much he would charge for him to be my uh, publicist, because he's gotten several people that were interested just because of the crazy stuff. He That's said. funny.
2: All right. Well, so so you you mentioned Ronald's little factory and. Uh, so, so tell me, what what is that? What is Ronald's little factory? Why 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 is this something that would garner you uh, stalker status? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I know that you are very familiar with the Boyd K. Packer Little Factory talk. That yes, yeah, you guys did a, a show on that several years ago. Yeah, and uh, so six
2: years ago, man, it was crazy. six years ago. It was twenty fourteen in July when that came out. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, so in 1976, Boyd K. Packer um, gave this talk to young men only about how young men should never touch their, uh, their little factories. He, he talked, it's just an anti masturbation talk, and it's, most of it is hilarious and very silly. It's so, kind of an
2: anti-humanity talk in a, in a sense as well. <laughs> oh yeah, in what way? Well, oh, it's just such a natural thing to masturbate. Oh, like yeah, to, yeah. to 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 demonize it the way that he did is like you're denying a part of your own humanity. With oh, it's, it. And you're it's making you think that it's bad.
0: And it's just so silly. Like when he so he he likens, you know, men's, you know, reproductive systems to little factories and just makes yeah. the entire talk just hilarious. Yes. And so um
2: when did so, you when did you first come across that little factories talk?
0: You know, I always heard about it is kind of rumored. just I saw a couple minutes as a kid and I heard about that. It was always kind of funny. I never saw the pamphlet. Did you see the pamphlet? No. The, the actual pamphlet. Oh, I would love
2: No. I, I I've, yeah, I don't think so.
0: I I've seen stuff online where people are selling it and I would love to have, buy uh, an original copy of that the pamphlet.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um, but it, I, I didn't, I wasn't, didn't become really aware of it until just like three years ago, my friend, one of my best friends from high school, we wrote a screenplay together. It was a short screenplay on, uh, Joseph Smith and the Helen Mark Kimball
4: mm. um,
0: whole scenario. And yeah. like 15, 15 page screenplay. And then we decided, um, we, we really liked the script and then we decided to write, uh, come up with another, uh, another kind of Mormon based, uh, film. And my, it actually started out as kind of a challenge because my friend Ryan, Ryan Lampson, he, he said, I think we could do any genre except for perhaps comedy. And I said, Oh, I love dark comedy. I would love to do a dark comedy. And he was asking kind of, so I've been into, I've been doing film, short films for several years and he, he just kind of started at that time. And so he was asking about dark comedy and I said, Oh, dark, like what's dark comedy? He asked. And I said, Oh, just, and then just kind of the top of my head. I imagine like someone tries like really hard not to masturbate and like they cut off their hand or something like that.
3: Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then like that sparked an idea and he said, Oh, it's kind of, kind of reminds me of, uh, but
2: then they end up masturbating with like
0: both of their elbows, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> So he, and then he actually reminded me about the the talk, the Boyd K. Packard talk. and I said, "Oh that's brilliant. Maybe we can come up with something with that." And then so I uh, basically wrote a probably three page screenplay from that, and it was funny, and then I shelved it for a year or so. And then I was trying to work on some other film projects and it required more money and then it just dawned on me. I thought I need to make a movie that just takes place in one room shoot like in 10 days what could i make and then all of a sudden i th- thought back to that that little factory that three minute screenplay thought man if i could just put that into like an 80 page screenplay a full-length screenplay that short film and uh, i just spent uh about six months writing the, the 80 page screenplay to uh ronald's little factory and what really got me to got it from a short screenplay of so the the original short screenplay was just Ronald. He was watching uh you know, this nineteen year old boy named Ronald. He he watched Boyd K. Packer's talk and then he um, he ended up also reading um the supposedly the Marky e. Peterson pamphlet that yeah. talks about how if you are tempted to masturbate you can handcuff your hand to the bed or tie it to the bed. Yeah. So that's what he does and the, the the original screenplay and he spends a couple of minutes doing that and then his mom comes in and then she freaks out and that's the end of the screenplay, the original one. And so with the way I expanded it, I started like the, I thought what would happen if like it continues? Like the mom, what would the mom say? Okay. The mom calls up the release society president. Release society president is crazy. And then she calls up the home teacher and then it keeps on on and on and on. And so that's what the, the whole movie just, she's they're They're calling up all the crazy members from the church to come help him. And what really helped me write the feature was when I, I thought of, in the, in the original short script, he was, it was a few months before his mission, but then I, then I came up with the idea of a ticking time bomb. What if he has to be at the airport in two hours and, and he's handcuffed to the bed? So that's what Ooh. the whole movie is about. Like, Yeah, so he's, he's handcuffed and he has to be at the airport in two hours. So it's all like a, a crazy mess.
2: And And why, again, is he handcuffed to the bed?
0: because he wants to keep himself from masturbating just like yeah
2: he's following the Marky Peterson recommendations yeah do you you go through all of them like he's he sings hymns to himself and he's like getting a midnight snack and
0: I don't do the midnight snack but I go through (laughs) I go through the hymns and of course what hymn does he choose he he randomly puts on Mormon Tabernacle Choir and guess what it's "Hold to the Rod
2: oh no (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, so he starts singing that and then he starts like hold to the ride and then like he obviously starts to subconsciously think and mm-hmm. then he and then he puts that off and then of course he the other great part is of the pamphlet talks about how think of if you're if you're tempted to masturbate maybe you need to think of yourself in a bathtub full of worms mm. so of do course- you have that
2: scene in your script where he's actually in a bathtub with a bunch of worms
0: not a bathtub, but I have where he reads that, the worm part, and then he pulls out his desk and he has a little cup of worms and he puts it in his, he puts it in his hands and starts oh. like imagining. No, <laughs> oh. That's the most, is that, does that pamphlet, uh, is that pamphlet really exists or is that just a total rumor?
2: Well, here's my theory. Uh, and and I, I I was involved in an episode of Mormon Expression many years ago where we talked about this Marky e. Peterson thing. And. It created quite a conflict between me and, and the host of that podcast because I was like this broken record that was saying, hey, with my degree in folklore, I can see all of the signs of this being a fabrication because when I was doing research for that podcast, I found, I don't know, five or six different websites that all had the list of the things that supposedly came from the Marky e. Peterson pamphlet, but the, the websites didn't agree. There, you know, like some of them had nineteen steps, some of them had twenty three steps, some of them had twenty one steps you know and, and the the wording was slightly off with each one of them, so it started looking to me like this was something that had been fabricated, especially because the church denies that there was ever an actual pamphlet that they did or that marky e. Peterson did um, but then there are missionaries that have said, "Hey, I had this in my mission i somebody gave this to me my my thought is that it's probably what's called Xerox lore where somebody created something and it got passed around in the mission and people had it. But I, I, I seriously doubt that it's something that was really authored by Mark E. Peterson. It seems so over the top. It seems to me like it was probably authored by somebody who was critical of the Mormon church rather than somebody who was actually, these are really good suggestions for what you should do. <laughs> so I, I'm a little dubious about its authenticity, but it's, it's definitely fun and it certainly reflects very real attitudes that members of the church have about masturbation. So there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, I I think that could be very true. I think it could be totally fabricated, but yeah. I don't care because it's so <laughs> it's, <great>. it's so <laughs> great. And it's it's yeah. you know it's based on some truth. And I'm sure I I I'm sure there I'm sure a lot of it is true. If if, if yeah, I, like if even if it's not like the official pamphlet, I, I'm sure there was some things that were said they're very similar
2: Uh, yeah and and there there are people who have treated it like it's real like it's something that's coming from the Lord's anointed so it fits a worldview Mm -hmm. for sure yeah so so you've you've filmed a little bit of this you've created a Kickstarter campaign and and how long is that going you've got
0: Uh, it's going on for a month I just I've put it up a week ago so it's going on another three weeks
2: yeah what date does it end
0: Um, I believe it is August 7th. Okay. And so yeah, I shot a about a three and a half minute proof of concept um, about seven, eight months ago. Mm -hmm. And then I just did a video of uh, just me uh, posed as a missionary talking about it. And it's, yeah, it's on, so it's on Kickstarter under uh, Ronald's Little Factory.
4: Yeah.
2: And you've already got some people that have been uh, sending in some donations. You, but it, about 10% of the way there or, or, or maybe yeah, yeah, around yeah. there? Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah so I some... would
2: encourage listeners to to go. I'll I'll, I'll put a link on, on the website, infantsonthrones.com. I'll put a link under this episode to your Kickstarter campaign so uh, people can go and take a look at it and see if it's something they want to contribute to or not. And you've got different rewards and tiers for people, right? Yeah. It all
0: starts from uh, $5 to, you know, a few thousand. So, and yeah, some of the, some of the rewards I'm, I'm really excited about. I want to uh, ideally to premiere this in, uh, next springtime and I would like to have it, uh, have several theatrical showings in Utah Mm -hmm. and it would be fun to have a dozen or so and have each one hosted by someone in the post-Mormon world Yeah. And perhaps, you know, I come there and do a question and answer with the audience. Uh, Yeah. So hopefully doing that. So that's one of the rewards is uh, for, you know, $50 have, have, you know, two tickets come out there for premiere and you also get a couple other things with it.
5: Nice.
2: Cool. So, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, about your background, Brent, and like growing up in the church and just that whole spiel, you know how that goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I was raised in San Diego, and I was raised as an active Mormon, and I went on a mission to Seattle for two years, and I came back um, when I was 21, very active. I, in fact, I was so strong at that time. I remember even telling someone that I don't even care if Gordon Binkley came out today and said that the church was not true. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like It's in my heart. I remember saying that right after my mission. I was so strong.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I remember saying the exact same thing to people when I was a seminary student before my mission, like if, if president Hinckley came out or whoever the prophet was at the time uh, and said that the book of Mormon wasn't true, I wouldn't believe him. Cause I know that strongly. Yeah. 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 Right you, there you, know yeah you know
0: it. Yeah. You know it. That's crazy. And uh, so, to kind of back up a little bit, when I first started going on a mission, my mission, I felt like I knew. I'm mean, I was probably an average nineteen year old Mormon. I felt like I knew a little bit, a little bit less than probably most Mormons at that time. And so, I remember I was in probably two or three men, two or three months on the mission, and one uh, a former missionary companion left the an anti anti book. So it was. You know, talking about all the things that anti-Mormons talk about, but it was, of course, refuting it—something maybe from farms or something. But I, I haven't heard of any of this. stuff. like it, you know. Of course, the Adam God theory and the multiple visions of Joseph Smith. Like I was just blown away. But of course, I read right away. You know, you know, uh, apologists, you know, defending those. But I was still in my mind. It just, I think, I planted a tiny bit of little things. Yeah. And but, anyways, I was. Still, so, of course, I loved my mission. I was very active. When I got back, and about a year mm-hmm. into my mission, I was—or a year after my mission—I was at the temple, and I never felt comfortable in the temple. I always thought that was the temple was just felt
2: Really, weird. I freaking loved the temple, man. Really?
0: Oh yeah. What, what, like, were you? Did you feel like you were prepared? Did you know much going in?
2: So my my approach to Mormonism was always that kind of. God had created this scavenger hunt of hiding like truth in plain sight everywhere. And the people that were most interested in finding it would be the ones that would find it and get rewarded. And so I was always looking for these, these clues. And when I would go through the temple, I thought, Oh my gosh, there's so much truth. that's just hidden in plain sight here. You know, like Lucifer saying, I'm only doing that, which has been done on other worlds. What, what's that? What, there's there's this whole story about other worlds that this opened, like, that's amazing. That, that, what, is, what is that about? And and what does it mean that he's doing what was done on other worlds, but now he's being punished for it? You know, so like there are these little, little things that who knows where it actually came from or, or why it showed up in the Temple movie, but my active imagination would take that stuff and just run with it. And um, so, yeah, I... I I thought that the whole, you know, you've got your new name, you know, here are the handshakes, uh, you know, we're preparing you for further light and knowledge. And am like, yeah, sign me up. I want further light and knowledge. <laughs> I'm all for it. So yeah, I like, I was a little uncomfortable with the, um, the washings and anointings or whatever, you know, like having to be naked and have people put their hands on me at first. But
0: uh, yeah, that was my least, that was my least favorite part. Like, I I didn't understand like I'd never had anyone see me naked and so it's just a sheet <laughs> yeah, right. and I, I it certainly could have been better if I would have thought of this but like you know when you sit down like you should like tuck the sheet like you know kind of into your lap
2: yeah I I didn't like I You didn't have I, you didn't have experience wearing a dress know. so you didn't I've know
0: never, I've never worn a dress so <laughs> it went from like my neck to my knees like with like a 2 foot like opening so everyone could see me naked so yeah. it just felt so awkward and silly. And uh, so I always felt, even on my mission, like I didn't I didn't love the temple. But I I probably went to the temple three or four times on my mission. But I, so I remember probably a year after my mission, like the very first time that I ever thought of something that's kind of against church teachings was I was in the ceiling room and I was in the San Diego temple and look, you know, it's very, uh, I don't know what the word. I, I, the word I want to say is gaudy. Yeah. It's just like yeah. you're underneath a you know five hundred thousand dollars chandelier, looking at, at just everyone and just crazy uh, dressed in white. You know these. You know, to me, everything looked silly, and for some reason, I just thought of you know I feel more peace with God out in the mountains than underneath mm-hmm. this half a million dollar chandelier. It just, and that was the very first time I thought you know if I feel like that, then maybe there's other things that are against the church that I would feel positive and, about too.
2: And that was probably like long before you ever even tried mushrooms. How'd you know? <laughs> I'm just assuming. Oh. <laughs> God oh. out in nature. What? You, what?
0: Oh what? man, <laughs> that's uh,
2: that'll be a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That oh, is funny. Cool. So, so then, what what made you leave? Rent. Well,
0: so that was the first, the very first inkling that I had. And so basically I spent a year of my life just, you know, praying, reading, and just deciding, is this something that I truly believe in or is this something that I was told to believe in?
2: So it it really kind of started with it being in the celestial room, seeing the, the, the gaudiness of all of it and going, is, is God really gaudy? (laughs) See what I did there?
0: Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny that the first time I went to the temple, like, you know, we were always told how evil, you know, in the 80s and 90s, we were told how evil the Catholics were, like, that they're yeah. so gaudy and everything. Ostentatious
2: so, and showing, exactly. don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. I mean, I hope you use that line in the Ronalds. Oh, that.
0: that is brilliant. I need to. <laughs> um, so I was, we were always taught that. And then when I go through the temple, I thought this, this doesn't look like us. This looks like the, the Catholic Church. Yeah, and. Yeah. So that, that that set me down the rabbit hole for probably a year and a half of getting books and and praying. And literally I came to the conclusion that it's just something that that I was just ingrained. And yeah. so I, I started with a started with a blank slate and I, it was it was honestly it, was, it wasn't a happy time for fears Yeah, there. It, it just cause like the rug was pulled underneath my feet i i felt like my first 23 years of life i know exactly why i'm here where i'm going i'm gonna have my own planet multiple wise <laughs> yeah. you know big spiritual babies for eternity
2: did you really think that you, you were like looking forward to a polygamous eternity oh, totally you didn't really no yes I, that no. was
0: that was the best part of mormonism and they <laughs> took i hear they took that away yeah they they disown they disown that
2: yeah yeah yeah, no the, the polygamy stuff always made me uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, what? Uh, so, so it was two thousand three? Did you say that? That's yeah. when you? Yeah, yeah, it's
0: right about when I was twenty, uh, about twenty four, and so I was the perfect Mormon
2: boy. And oh, see, um, I know what I was going to say. You you said that the rug was being pulled out from under you, but you were the one doing it. You you were the one that was pulling the rug yourself, right? Not necessarily. Oh, like, come on. So I've got
0: I've gotten into this discussion a lot with people before. Like, you don't. I didn't have the. I didn't choose that. Like, you don't suddenly choose to stop ble- believing in Santa Claus. Like, you. It just didn't make sense to me. So I didn't choose that. So I didn't necessarily. I just felt like the rug was pulled under. Like, I didn't do it. I wa- If I could have chosen, I probably would have stayed in the church. That. Yeah. I I don't know. I,
2: I, I kind of, I, I used to think that too. I, I've, I've changed my view on that. I, I think that, I think that there were things about the church that you recognized you were not comfortable with, that they weren't really what you were told. And so you had this cognitive dissonance and you're like, I got to, I got to square this away. I got to figure out what's going on. But it was your own desire to find peace and harmony within your own psyche that was driving you the whole time. And I don't know, I think that's what it was with me. And the the more I asked and the more I found out it really wasn't kind of what I thought, the more uncomfortable I was for a while. Um, eventually I got comfortable with uncertainty and creating a new worldview. But um, where, where yeah, did you I leave? Mean, oh boy, I, there's no date on it. Uh, I, I for Um, me in in well in 2003 i was i was in a phd program studying folklore at indiana university and by this time pretty pretty much it had crumbled away i i stopped attending like i started going part-time um maybe in 2007 i was going to sacrament meeting and not the rest but i i had a long slow burn out where i where i was compartmentalizing things i was reinterpreting going okay well this stuff i believe in you know like charity love being christ-like whatever that means but when when it's like judging other people and I, i always had an issue with that so so i compartmentalized for a long time and then yeah probably 2007 stopped. but but in 2003 I was I was kind of mentally out. One of my favorite things to do was to, as a gospel doctrine teacher, was to look up really controversial things. Like I would I would go onto the internet, even though it was kind of early at that time, and find some anti-Mormon arguments and bring those into the uh, gospel doctrine class as a way to like kind of inoculate us, kind kind of like that uh, anti anti thing that you read on your mission. You know, like that's what I wanted to do. Like like one of them I remember specifically was saying Mormons, uh, they don't know it, but but they worship Lucifer more than they worship Jehovah because the whole plan of salvation uh, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Lucifer tempting Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that claim and I'm going to show how it's, it's flawed. <laughs> and, and I would do that in gospel doctrine and, you know, it, it had a mixed reaction. But yeah, so okay, I was... I I, w- I was kind of a nuanced believer for a long time, um, but, uh, but 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 I, I still feel like I was the one that was making those choices of what I what I was comfortable with and what I wasn't comfortable with, what I liked about the church and what I didn't like about the church, until it got to a point where I just didn't want to I didn't want to go anymore. And and for me, the main reason was. I recognized that I was being super judgmental of these people that I actually cared about. I actually really liked them, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't listen to them spout nonsense and not think that they were stupid. And I, and I hate, like I'd leave church going, Ugh! I felt, I felt like shit because of that.
0: So could you choose to go back? Yeah. I mean, okay. Let me say something. Could you choose to believe again?
2: Uh, Sure. Really? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I believe the power of the mind is so like the, the mind is pretty malleable and with, with uh, confirmation bias, anything's possible. If, if I, if I wanted to, if my desire was strong enough, I, I could, I, I could deceive myself. Wow. I think so. I, I think we all can. I, I, I think that's why it's important to always stay vigilant and true and honest and have a lot of integrity surrounding yourself with people who keep you in check but yeah i I think i if i wanted to i could but i don't yeah (laughs) i i know know people who have
0: yeah i mean if 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 there's reason i mean uh, for like family spouse type of reasons but i i have a hard time believing that you could force or at least myself like sure yeah i could go tomorrow but i i I just couldn't force myself to baby steps Baby steps? I couldn't make myself believe it again,
2: like it's- it's... I don't think you could do it, like, overnight. Baby steps? Baby steps.
6: It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself. One
2: tiny step at a time. Baby steps. But, but, you know, like, you you do the Bob Wiley, um, (laughs) this, this is what about Bob? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh boy. Baby-stepping, going to church, baby-stepping, wanting to believe it, baby-stepping, like being okay with Joseph Smith. Baby, You know, I think you could baby-step your way back into... You,
0: you can, but then once... You can baby-step yourself, <laughs> but then once that final decision, like, oh, I believe again, that's still not, like, a choice.
2: It works.
1: It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Mm. Like,
0: what I always say is... Like when I, when I'm talking kind of about this, what we choose to like or believe in, like I would, you know, people will bring up, or like, I'll say like, you don't, you can't choose what food you like. You can't, you don't choose what music you like. You don't choose.
2: Yeah. I think you do. I think you do, but I think it's a long, I think it's a long, long process.
0: Well, okay. Okay. Let me, so like to this me, is fun,
3: Brent. Yeah. I wasn't
2: expecting this. Let's
3: bring yeah.
0: it. I love it. Yeah, to, like to me, like the Doors are like one of the greatest bands of all time. Okay, I can't tonight. Like you could put a gun to my head and say like Justin Bieber more than the Doors. <laughs> I will say, I will say. Of course, of course, I like Justin Bieber more. But in my heart, in my mind, I will not like him more. Yeah. Like it's not a. It's just what feels good to me. It makes sense. Same yeah. thing with like I like. Uh, Mexican food. I don't like sushi. I'm crazy. I don't like seafood, but I don't choose that. It's just like what, what makes sense to my soul, my body. And that's what I think the same thing with religion. Like I can't choose to believe in Santa Claus.
2: You're going to get me on a huge tangent here, which I'm fine Let's with. I, see, I I think there's a, I think what you're saying is I can't consciously choose it. And, and I, I think there's a difference between the conscious awareness that we have and subconscious processes that are the bulk of that make us up. And so I, I, I think in the past, I'd, I'd be really interested to find out more about why you love the door so much. Um, and, and I imagine it's because you had like the first time you heard them, there was stuff going on in your life that was really good and and that music made you feel really good. And and as a result, the memories that you store in your, in your mind, associating that music is really, really good stuff because we file memories based on feelings. Mm -hmm. And if like, I don't know what your experience, your first experience was with sushi, but I would imagine there was something that was pretty disgusting around it. And as a result, you're like, fuck that. I'm not going to try this anymore. And so there's like these subconscious things, but if you wanted, if you wanted to, to like sushi and you gave it an effort and you started putting yourself in situations where there's this, all this awesome stuff going around it, you could condition yourself to like sushi.
0: You're, condition, you're right. Condition is you can condition yourself, but that is different than you, once you condition yourself, like you, the final step is you, you don't make that choice. So I'll, but I'll you are. Up.
2: You are making so that choice. You, you're you're making conditioning that choice. yourself
0: you're making that choice to for the baby to condition yourself but you're not making that choice the final choice to like it so I'll bring up um, beer a okay. lot most people i didn't like beer at first right i hated it me too the second time and the third time but like you kind of like the feeling it gets you buzz the 5th 10th 20th time eventually like oh this isn't bad 30th time like i conditioned myself most people condition themselves like, I like beer. But that 30th time where I said, oh, my gosh, this is good. I didn't choose on that 30th time to say that it was good. I didn't choose to say it to myself was good. It just felt good to my body and soul that 30th time.
2: Now, I, I, I make, I'm I going to make a guess here, Brent, and I could be wrong. But I think the reason that you became a filmmaker is probably it's, it's either because of um, Saturday's Warrior.
7: Who are these two?
2: or My Turn on Earth.
7: Once upon a time, there was heaven and earth. That's how it all began. <laughs> a Joke
2: here, yeah, but, well. but, if, but if you know My Turn on Earth, there's a song that says,
4: Heeny meeny, miny, moe, you can choose the way to go.
2: When you choose the very first step on the road, you also choose the last.
0: I don't like to study and I don't like to learn. Books are such a big bore. I don't care if I go to school. I'm not gonna try anymore. I don't like to get up, and I love sleeping in. All I want to do is to play. I'll lie around the house till noon, and wear my pajamas
5: all day. When you choose
1: the very first step on the road, you also choose the last.
7: So if you don't like the end of the road, you better back up. You know, you better back up fast. The end of this road is to be dumb.
2: So if you don't like the end of the road, you better back up. Oh, you know, you better back up fast. Do you, do you know my turn on Earth?
0: Oh, uh, I, I, I haven't seen that since for yeah, every right. Show, but, yeah.
2: but so I, I, I think what we're saying here is. There, there are there are these choices that we make that are going to lead us in certain directions, and it and it might not be. What was it the last thing you said? The thirtieth time that you drank the beer, that's when you make the decision that you like it.
0: No, you don't make the decision. It just right. feels good. So, right. like your body, like your soul, your body, it just makes sense
4: to you.
2: But, but, but no one put a gun to your head to drink that first beer or the second or the third or the fourth, you you are exercising your agency. I know that's a bad word anymore, but, but you're the one that's doing it. And I, I think it's the same thing with leaving the church or staying in the church or taking up tennis or becoming a Beatles fan or loving the doors or, you know, like anything like this, like we, we're constantly in any moment that we're in, we're, we're, bombarded with all of this sensory data from the outside world and our brains are comparing what's coming in with everything that's similar that we've ever had. And if we had these negative experiences with something, then we're going to associate that as a negative thing. Is that, is that us choosing or not choosing? I, I think if we go, Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to avoid that. Then we're making a conscious choice to avoid it. And we're saying, Oh, I don't like it. But, I think that there's there's wiggle room to go i'm gonna give this a chance i'm gonna I'm gonna do something different, and um anyway, this is a big tangent
0: you know it's, so <laughs> so you're of the opinion that you can choose to believe in God or not yeah okay yeah, cause yeah like i'm i think if you were maybe if you straddle that line of I'm not sure either way you could kind of choose but I like me i can't choose to believe in the the man in the sky as much as i right if i'm not saying i want to but as much as if i wanted to or needed to like i just just like the santa claus thing like i can't choose to believe in santa it just doesn't make logical sense for sure. Supernatural santa Claus.
2: For sure you can't you can't choose at this point to believe in santa claus and and maybe if if God you're talking about this bearded man in the sky that punishes people f- like Ronald for masturbating and bring yeah. it back, then, you know, like, can, can you just choose to believe in that? If you recognize, no, that's kind of impossible. <laughs> that's kind of improbable. It's kind of impro- uh, impossible. Um, yeah. I, 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 but, but I think that again, the, the, um, the principle of confirmation bias is at play. And so if, if, if we've made some assumptions and we're kind of going in that direction, we're going to keep going in that direction, be blinded to anything that would put us in another direction for, for, for me, the question of God to, to even, to even put myself in a place where I could try to believe in it. I, I had to get rid of certain things. Like if, if you're defining God as a man in the sky with a beard, then we're not talking about the same thing. But, but if, if we're talking about some kind of force that exists, that is creative and omnipotent and omniscient and is everything that the problem of evil says that it is, you know, so isn't out there trying to keep people safe, isn't trying to help people find their keys, but that there's still this like creative, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent force that's everywhere. I can, believe in something like that or I, I, I don't even know the word believe I can be open to the possibility of something like that.
0: I, well, that's why I consider myself agnostic because I, yeah. I think there could be something out there. I just disbelieve in the man in the sky that we were all yeah. taught
2: about. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that Mormon God kind of thing. Well, what a fun tangent that was to yeah. go on with you, Brent.
0: So um, for some was thinking, you know, one of the, the last time that I actually prayed, to God. And the, when I, that actually got me like my, my final straw, um, after I left, after I spent about a year and a half deciding, you know, reading, praying, like I, I, I decided to get one more shot to pray to God. I went out in the mountains and literally I spent all day. I was, I was like, you uh, know, are, are we going literally... back to the
2: mushrooms again now? Is this that? Nah, no, no, not mushrooms, not no. Mushrooms, mushrooms are much after the, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: um, <laughs> So I literally, I spent all day on my knees and I felt like I wanted to give everything to God. So I literally took off all my clothes, wow. completely naked wow. in the mountains, uh, miles from my house, literally eight, nine hours on my knees. I felt like I was to either see an angel or walk out of there and be an ex-Mormon. So obviously, was that the I Enos
2: enis story from the book? Yeah, yeah okay,
0: yeah, Enos. Okay. Yeah.
2: so 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 you were doing the penis version of the <laughs> yes, story, exactly. Yeah, right. okay.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that was fifteen, sixteen years ago, and and then I, I didn't think about Mormonism. I, t- I pushed Mormonism, ex Mormonism, everything to the side
2: until just last year and a half or so, and. So what, wait, kind of what, 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 what was your conclusion after your penis experience, your penis in the mountain?
0: <laughs> um, my
2: conclusion that, well, I
0: didn't see an angel. So I walked out, out of there as an ex-Mormon and mm. I walked down the hills and I, I was devastated. I, just as I said, you know, the rug was pulled underneath my feet.
2: Did you, did you choose
0: that? No, I don't think I chose that. You you, you th- chose to- <laughs> you chose
2: you chose that the criteria for accepting God was to see an angel or not.
0: Yeah, they they chose not to send me an angel, so <laughs> I, I guess I chose to walk down there, an ex Mormon. Yeah. So for fifteen, sixteen years, I didn't think about ex Mormon, Mormon, anything, and then it's just it's such a weird thing to come back after that time and start you know, exploring the world of the crazy world of
2: Mormonism again in the last yeah. year and a half. So tell me, tell me the word crazy in there. Why, why do you throw crazy in there as in crazy world of Mormonism?
0: Um, what else would you say with what, what Mormonism is, especially the early day? I mean, oh, it's just so interesting and crazy that like the way we were all raised and it's, it's so different than what you know, the young generation uh, for the last like 20 years has been raised on the, ours was just so, uh, just so esoteric, just so crazy weird, you know, guy, multiple yeah. gods, planets, and just, it's so, I mean, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think a lot of Joe Smith is you know, a lot of the stories are fascinating. Yeah.
2: I, I, um, When, when I, I I mentioned earlier that I was in graduate school, I was studying folklore and mythology and for my, I, I, I was in a PhD program, which I didn't finish, but I was writing a dissertation on Mormon humor. And during my research, I interviewed these comedians that did gigs in Utah and in other places. And I asked them like, okay, so you've got to see that there's like definitely a difference between Mormon audiences and other audiences. And I forget who it was, but he's like, you know what? There really isn't. He goes, you know, I I changed the specifics of my material when I go to Utah um, a little bit because at the level of details, there's some differences, but like the thematic, like that when you scale back the higher themes, it's all pretty similar. Like with, with other Christians in the Bible belt that don't have sex, that are like vilifying people that aren't like them, that think that they are the ones that have the whole truth and that God's on their side and not on other people's side. It's it's really not that unique. Because, but Mormons sure like to think that it is. They sure like to think of themselves as being unique. But I don't see them as being very unique. That was that was eye opening to me. And maybe that was just this one guy's opinion. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I I think the Mormonism is really interesting, and you can say crazy and stuff. But I I just I don't think it's that different than what other people experience just in in different kind of packages maybe
0: yeah i mean i think it's all crazy all it's the <laughs> uh, humans are crazy we're all, all beliefs are crazy i'm crazy <laughs> you know what's what's funny is I, I i was watching that um video of you guys on the, on youtube of uh, when you guys are at sunstone and someone brought up that that you were like halfway done with your uh, dissertation
4: oh on, yeah um,
2: which one was this was this one we did most side out like the Oh, it was like, like like we years ago okay we i think there's two videos on youtube maybe there's a different one
0: but it, they said so you're you're almost finished or you, you decide to give up on your dissertation yeah. on mormon humor and like everyone laughed i, I thought it was a, i thought it was a joke so it, it was seriously oh, no. really, you really I did really, that i really,
2: I really yeah I, yeah i did
0: i did yeah oh
2: wow, that's great yeah i know i i went to work for a medical device company because they were offering to give me A good salary and send me to Japan which is where I served my mission and I wanted to go back so I I took that instead of staying in academia basically.
0: So in your emails you said that you've really kind of um, changed in the last five or six years since that the original little factory kind of evolved or grown and in what way have you grown as far as an ex-Mormon
2: well, I think I think the question that I asked you about crazy probably illustrates that is, you know, like when when we started Infants on Thrones eight years ago, it was it was so much fun to be able to point out all these ridiculous things and just to like beat the drum of stupid, stupid, stupid. Look how stupid this is. Look how stupid that is. And we did a lot of um, like every, every general conference would do our own parrot episodes, which were a lot of fun but but after after a while of doing that i i started i started feeling bad uh i started feeling bad like i was because i knew that like i knew the whole time that the things that people were doing were sacred to them and special to them and here i'm just making fun of it as if they're stupid and i i didn't i didn't like it when i would see uh ex mormons who just would take things that I had created and it looked to me like they were just banging this drum of stupid, stupid, stupid. It, it, so it, it kind of made me reflect on like, what, what do I really think? What, what am I doing? Is this uh, productive or constructive at all? Um, and so I, I got more interested in doing things that are uh, uplifting, you, you know, like it's, it's weird because I don't, it's, it, it's, I don't know how to say this Brent. I don't think that the Mormon church is, awesome. But I also don't think that the Mormon church is as bad as a lot of people say. But, but it, and it's because of these things that we talked about, if we have a choice. I mean, I, I think if, if you recognize there's bigotry in the Mormon church and you're not comfortable with that, that's something to be grateful for. Well, thank you, Mormon church, for showing me I don't want to be a bigot. I don't want to be a racist. I don't want to be a misogynist. I don't want to live a life of patriarchy. Um, And so I I started looking at it as more something to be grateful for than just to say, this is awful and it's ruined my life. Um, That's probably the biggest thing. I just became more aware and more sensitive of what is the overall message and is it uh, constructive or is it just destructive? And and again, I think that destructive is really important if the church has a hold on you and you've got to Uh, cut, cut those ties. And I think humor and and mocking and ridicule, you're not able to do it. If there's a really close um, psychic tie or psychological tie, emotional tie to Mormonism. And so, so humor, mockery, ridicule, things like that can help loosen that up. But I I also think it's important to recognize the value and the importance um, so that you don't yeah, go no, through I, life right. hating this part of who you were for so long oh, and thinking totally. that, that, it's, that it's wrong and that it's bad. and you know.
0: So what is what has been the input from your viewers? Has there been many negative, positive?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the audience has dropped over time. But that, we've been doing, and I say we, it's mainly me now. The, there were six of us when it started. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't have as many listeners as, as we used to um and uh but but I you know if if you look on iTunes and you see what our reviews are and, and have been over the years um they they're they're overall positive um that, that people appreciate hearing discussion that's that's fair minded and also makes them feel like the thoughts that they have they're not alone they're not crazy with it so
0: yeah What I told you a bit in the email is like, I have no desire to, the point is not to mock Mormonism. Um, I I love a lot of, I mean, a lot of my family is still active and I love them. And I have no desire to mock just religion or people's beliefs. Um, Just having fun with the culture of Mormonism. And it's literally inspired by me as an awkward teen, a Mormon boy that tries so hard to stay on the straight and narrow. And uh, it's like, I I was saying like the, the most blasphemous part in it that would be is Ronald has a a nightmare version. He has a nightmare of several of the church members coming in there and they're in their temple clothing and Mm -hmm. they perform uh, the, or in true throat, order death. of prayer well no just the the death uh the slid in throat oh wow the penalty and like that's obviously it's considered you know i guess quote blasphemous but uh, it's i'm not trying to do that tomorrow like i just it's only doing that because that makes sense in the story that's the story of ronald he's literally just went to the temple and he's having these nightmare versions of what he, he feels guilt are you so he's are he's you old
2: this. enough to have actually experienced that in the no. temple?
0: Oh okay. no, I, I didn't. They changed that. Yeah. Um, I definitely remember the naked part, but not the not the death
2: <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah, they ch- they changed that they took that part out a little bit before I went through too, so I never I never experienced that.
0: So the movie takes place in 1989, and so uh, that's gotcha. Um, so and so it just made like that's just I'm not trying to make it to mock it at all. Uh, it's just it just the story of Ronald, and this is what. Yeah. I feel needs you know his story.
2: Well and, and something that you said about yourself, I, I think you said you you just you wanted to you wanted to be a good guy. You wanted to stay on the straight and narrow. And that that's kind of the way that I've tried to start looking at all members of the church and the the leadership and, and really I mean whether you're in the church or you're not Mormon, that everybody's born into this world at a place of innocence you know like yeah. like you just want to love and you want to be loved by the people around you and so you're taught how to do that you're taught what's right you're taught what's wrong and you're taught by people who don't really know so so you're you're misguided from the very very start and everybody's misguided in different directions we were misguided by the mormon doctrines and and raised to think oh this is the right way to be without recognizing there's harm that we do to ourselves, harm that we do to other people because we you know we're just like you said trying to do the best we can and follow the straight and narrow and some people take it to these really gross extremes and other people are able to go oh wait I don't want to do this anymore and break out of it but but it everybody at their core is that innocent person who was misguided through and and that that makes me want to give them more of the benefit of the doubt, and and so when I when when I watched your your trailer today, that's on the the GoFundMe, I I, I think the thing that first jumped out to me was was you standing in the doorway, <laughs> the, the the twin yous as you are yourself and your companion, and and the the companion that doesn't speak, just has like this. Almost kind of crazy smile of like ah, you know like that's just me, man. That's why that's why I,
0: that's how I always look. <laughs> what are you trying to say?
2: <laughs> but it but it's very much like the kind of Book of Mormon musical uh naive elder that just like everything's happy, everything's smiling, and and that that really jumped out to me when I when I watched that. And I was wondering what 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 were like what were you trying to do? Were, were you trying to To send any of those kinds of messages, or or was that really just you, just like
0: hey? I think I was just trying to do my serial killer smile. (laughs) Serial killer smile. (laughs) It worked.
3: Uh, It worked. That was cool.
0: No, actually, there was. I I I I do see what you're saying because there was one part like that I edited out. Like it was just too much. Like I was just I did have that too much of the zombie stare, and like Mm. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go for that. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of going for more of a creepy crazy instead of a mocking like zombie like dumb i I wanted to go for that weird like basically me this weird guy and minus the circular
2: part and 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 every viewer of this is going to bring their own experience to it right so you can't you can't make something that's that's the same thing for everybody um and and then the like i really liked i really liked that guy who played ronald he was good huh he is good He's good. So
0: I, I'm actually going to get someone else though. Oh, okay. This, he, he just joined the union and we're going to do non-union shoot. So, but I, I think I have someone else that I, that I love too. And he actually looks similar mm-hmm. to this guy. Yeah. So I think he's, I think he'll be great. Also, but yeah, I love the, the mom that I asked awesome him and the recent society president was really creepy. Yeah. So yeah, it's fine. I just shot, I just shot the all in my bedroom um, in just one day, the three and a half minute. Wow!
2: Cool. Cool. All right. So we've been we've been talking for about an hour here. There there was something else. That you you've got a brother, David Bacha. Yeah,
0: yeah. David Bacha. That's my older brother. He's been uh, work working for the church for about twenty years.
2: What anyway. What did he do for the church?
0: Um, he C S CES and he's mm-hmm. written a couple books and. Uh, so he actually just did a, a podcast with uh, John DeLynn about mm. about a year ago, like right yeah. after he officially left the church. And he actually kind of mentally left the church after the uh, the 2015 November policy.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, about the gay children, because yeah. he has a gay child, and he just decided to choose his child instead of the church yeah and so I think that was amazing and um interesting thing too about him I actually made a video a word video based on an experience that he had with the bishop um you can find this video on YouTube if you look up the title My Mormon Bishop taught me how to masturbate <laughs> and, and it's not, not quite it's not quite as uh uh-huh. Crazy as the title sounds, but basically what he, when he was 12 years old, when he got um, the priesthood or an interview with the priesthood, the bishop asked him if he ever masturbated. And my brother had no idea what it was. And he asked what it was. And the bishop described in detail what it was. And of course, my brother was embarrassed. He had no idea that you can do that. He was crying because he was so embarrassed. And he left humiliated. Never done that in his life. And that was the first time that anyone has ever told him what masturbation is and how to do it, and yeah. it's very disturbing, and it's disturbing that that still happens so yeah. i hope and I know obviously there's people out there that are trying to change it right now, and I hope that I hope that things like that change and I hope there's my movie's a's it's a comedy it's a dark comedy, but there's a couple of things i would like to to kind of bring up some serious discussions about that and a few other things that are going on in the church yeah. and it'd be nice if there was some serious discussion about that from the movie
4: yeah
2: cool well i i wish you luck with it and um like i said i'll, I'll post a link to your kickstarter campaign on the website so any listener who's interested can go and find that are, are there any closing words of wisdom that you'd like to share with with listeners
0: um i I, yeah, I had to ask who did the who did the impression of Boy K Packer on the on that show that you guys did. That was me. Oh my, you got to do it. You got to close <laughs> it out with the show. That was that
2: was amazing. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since I've done any kind of Boy K Packer. I don't. <laughs> why would our loving Heavenly Father do that to anybody? I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of like Froggy from the uh, the Little Rascals and oh, like without really moving the mouth you just kind of have to have like a lazy <laughs> I don't know what you know i might
0: honestly have to get you because i'm i, I wondered about like what it, when i put this out in the world or is, is, the, is the lds church are they going to come out to me and say i can't put that you know i gotta do i gotta have a dip you know i'm um, so I, I literally have boyd k packer
2: from Georgia well see but conference. but but i'm i'm old decrepit like when i when i do that it's the old dec- decrepit the the one from the seventies, he's much
3: more young and dynamic, and it's kind of more up here. Like,
2: uh, yeah, he could he could he could talk about it. a little factor. some you know, maybe I could do some voiceover work for you, Brent. But um, I might need it. All right. When the church comes knocking, I, I'll, the church I'll, comes knocking. I'll come out yeah. for you. Yeah, I I like my Monson a little bit better, but I you oh, know ever see since that. he passed, the brothers and sisters. It's all about a sing-song with President Monson, and it's all about the tone of his voice. You know, that kind That's of. That's incredible. What else do you do? You know what? uh Scooby-Doo. <laughs>
4: okay. Rousers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, no,
1: no. I thank the boys who kicked my ass when I was seventeen. I thank the ones who chose to laugh and those who acted in me I thank the bullies for all their scraps and accidents and then some They shaped my life, they made me like who I've become They shaped my life, they made me love who I am
3: Hello there, this is your brother and I have something to say concerning these people If they do not listen to every minute of every episode of Infants on Thrones, they shall be... totally missing out. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum money. They could buy anything in this world with money. On second thought, just give the quorum a five star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. A small token for which they have pledged their eternal souls. Anyone for the closing prayer?
2: And hey, why not? For a bonus Easter egg, you want to listen to that Mormon Expression episode uh, about the Marquis e. Peterson where. John Larson got really mad at me because I was being kind of obnoxious. You want to hear me be kind of obnoxious even more than I've already been kind of obnoxious? Here's a throwback for those of you curious to hear more about Marky Peterson and the uh, uh, mysterious pamphlet of suggestions.
5: All right, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and tonight we have another illustrious panel assembled. Let's go around the circle. First of all, from the nether world, we have um, uh, Glenn. Glenn, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me back, John. Great. Welcome back. Thanks. And then um, around the circle, we have uh, Rich. Hey, Rich. Hello. And then we have Zilpha. Hi, Zilpha. Hello. Hello. And then we have Robin. Welcome back, Robin.
7: Hello. What? So glad I could be Is here. Is this tonight. number three? Four, maybe? Yes, I think three four <laughs>
5: all right and then we 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 have a, a studio audience welcome studio audience um so tonight we are talking about uh, well you know most of what we've broadcasted um has been sort of well researched and well defined this is the first time we're sort of going off the uh, off the rails a little bit and, and we'll explain that here in just a second uh we're going to talk tonight about a infamous um well, I'm not exactly sure what it is, uh, but it's been around for a while, and it is generally attributed to Marky e. Peterson, and it's it's his work called uh, "Steps uh, Steps in Overcoming Masturbation."
2: Um, hey, so, John, did, yeah did, did I ever did I ever mention that uh, I'm an academically trained folklorist?
6: <laughs> that might have come up. You don't say.
2: Yeah. Well, I just I just thought I'd mention this because uh, we've got a really good example of modern folklore here.
5: Oh, you mean in in the in the fact that this talk is here at all?
2: Yeah, this is this is a this is a perfect example of folklore that exists in multiple variation, which I'm sure you're going to cover, being attributed to. A, a an authority figure in Marky Peterson and maybe there's a a real version out there somewhere maybe not but it certainly has its value as a piece of folklore and culture and i i may talk about that a little bit more as we go on i may not but uh i just thought it might be worth mentioning up front
5: thanks you're welcome all right so let's okay. let's should we should we start with the should we start with the talk or should we start with Marky Peterson they're both pieces of work
6: start with Marky <laughs> Peterson
5: all right, so Marky Peterson was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, and he was generally the hitman for the um, Brethren for quite a while. There's a lot of—he um, uh, he, he worked with the uh, Deseret News and wrote a lot of um, sort of bombastic um, statements the church put out. He was a leader in the anti-ERA movement. He was in the Benson camp and was a strong proponent of the Birchers, um, you know, connected to, like— um fluoride is a communist plot all that sort of um anti-hippie thinking um so so he does have a history of being sort of this bombastic um over-the-top guy in fact he is attributed and this is probably folklorish again with saying that he'd been married to his wife for 44 years and he'd never seen her naked that's your (laughs) (laughs) cue
7: you know that's something i can't even possibly imagine
5: (laughs) So, so he was, he was sort of a, um, yeah, like I said, a, 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 hitman of the 12 and, and a writer. So let's fast forward to 1981 when this thing supposedly happened. And probably the best, most authoritative source on it is from, um, D. Michael Quinn. Um, and he says, well, I'll just, it comes in a footnote. Actually, at the end of um, Quinn's book, he's got all these little, um, blurbs about um, uh, things that happen in history. And I will read you the blurb that that Quinn wrote for September 1981. It says, uh, Branch presidents at the Missionary Training Center in Provo received a 21-point handout to help both male and female missionaries avoid masturbation. Point 19, in very severe cases, it may be necessary to tie a hand to the bed frame with a tie in order that the habit of masturbation in a semi-sleep condition can be broken. Point In May 1995, article about masturbation, National Magazine Details published 17 of the recommendations and identified Apostle Marky Peterson as author of Steps in Overcoming Masturbation, A Guide to Self-Control. In 1996, spokesman at LDS headquarters denied that Elder Peterson authored this document and denied that it was ever distributed. So that's like the most authoritative um, historical piece of evidence we have on where this thing came from. Um, So... If you go look out on the internet, you'll find several different versions of this, um, and probably some of the discrepancy comes from potentially the original, which I have not seen. So, if anybody out there in internet land has an original copy of the letter, we would sure like to get our hands on it. Um, but anyway, apparently, the Details Magazine, and I couldn't find—I could find several references to that article, but I couldn't find it myself um, from from nineteen ninety-five, and that's probably where it, it, it has come about. There have been rumors that it that comes in a pamphlet, and I was able to find on the Snoop's website, somebody had posted a reference that they got out of the University of Utah library to the pamphlet. But frankly, I don't believe the pamphlet exists. I think that's a figment of somebody's imagination. Uh, the pamphlet is supposedly named, Keeping Your Hands to Yourself, Excerpts from Stephen, from Steps in Overcoming Masturbation, a Guide to Self-Control, pamphlet by the late Elder Markie Peterson. You know, that's probably the name of the details article. That doesn't sound like the name of the pamphlet. No way. Yeah, there's true. no way that's the title. That's that's too convenient,
2: keeping yeah. your hands to yourself. It, it's keeping your hands away from yourself is what he's really trying to get to.
5: Keeping, uh, there's no way that's the Keeping title. your hands to yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keeping your hands I mean, that to the bedpost.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's too suspicious. Yeah, so so I am I am stating for the record, we do not know for sure if this came from Markey Peterson or if this is even real. But I have been quoted some of these things in church um, auspice, and I don't know if other people have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in talks while I was a missionary. The, if 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 this thing is not real, it didn't originate with Mormons. It has been adopted by the Mormons. Yeah, Absolutely. and
6: I saw a site today that that's um what what's it called Light Planet. Yes, I yeah. have that right here. Yeah, and um, and this was quoted in that. Yeah, so. they like
3: incorporated it and also kind of edited it a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think I think whether whether it's it's real and you can attribute it to Marky Peterson or not, as as you said, there are certainly uh, flavors of of Mormonism in here. And what what I what I prepared as I went through this were actual examples of where I've seen things like this occur. In, in people that I've associated with, whether it's at, at BYU or in my mission, where I've, I've kind of seen real life examples of, of this. You mean people so I, trying I kind of to apply what these you guys principles have for the discussion as well? But I don't know.
6: People trying to put these principles into action?
2: Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, ways that, ways that they're actually trying to do the, the steps that are on the list to, to prevent masturbation.
3: Yeah. I had a mission companion that did about half of these things nightly. Really? Yeah. Um,
5: so it's 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 alive and well.
3: <laughs> it's not well, but it's
2: alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's part it it is part of the culture. I mean the the attitudes that are reflected in this document are real, whether the document itself is, I
5: would say.
6: Yeah, I agree.
5: Okay, that makes sense.
6: And besides, it's just a completely fascinating list of things, <laughs> ways to not masturbate is quite fun.
5: <laughs> All right, before we get into the um, what the little. Um, letter or pamphlet or whatever the hell it was actually says let's talk about a really important question which is why what i mean the the the, i read you the one that came from the quinn quote that talked about strapping your wrist to a bedpost obviously these are pretty heady measures that people would take so the question is why in in the lds paradigm would such measures need to be taken against something that seems so innocuous in in in, innocuous innocuous
6: Well, I've got the miracle of forgiveness here. Um, He talks about how who's he? uh, Kimball talks about how. um, And
5: what year was that? I'm sorry. What year was that published? Miracle forgiveness was 77. 77 is what I have in mind.
7: 69. Holy crap! And depending on which version, they may say very different things. Oh, okay. So this one, this one, uh,
6: this one, this is the 23rd printing, 1994. Um, but anyway, his, uh, his idea that he's putting forth in this book is that, um, masturbation can lead to homosexuality. And so this was a big fear for a lot of people that, that, that masturbating would, um, cause you to become homosexual. And, and uh, actually he says done in private, I don't know. You know, how many situations you're masturbating, not in private, but done in private. It evolves often into mutual masturbation. How do you mutually masturbate in private? But okay. Practiced with another person of the same sex and thence into total homosexuality.
2: You know, Zilpha, my, my father-in-law worked um, vice for the L.A. County Sheriff, and he, he would go to these triple uh, X movie theaters where... There was, you know, mutual masturbation kind of things that I, I wouldn't say lead to homosexuality, but where homosexuality yeah, is not. a thing. So I that that might have been what President Kimball had in mind when he was talking about... Well, why did he
6: say for a done in private, it, it evolves often into mutual masturbation? I don't well, understand Well,
2: here's, here's... I mean, he made me think that that's what it evolves into, where people attend these triple X theaters and they're uh, helping each other out. So,
6: but what if you are homosexual... Um, and, yeah, you're, I mean, and you're he, with somebody who it would, also happened to, right be to this. I'm not saying he's
2: right, but I, I'm just assuming that's probably what he has in mind.
6: It may be one of your first in- homosexual encounters, and therefore, later on, if you're being interviewed and they say, you know, how did this start? Well, I was, you know, we were kind of mutually masturbating. And then, oh, oh yeah, no I, masturbating. I,
5: I think here you have a classic example of false, you know, causality. And, I, and we haven't gone through... Kimball's Miracle of Forgiveness, but it's a pretty weird book. And I think um, Kimball is not sort of normal when it comes to sexuality. He has some really bizarre ideas about sexuality. I would dare even venture that he might be asexual, because he just in the book, he seems not to understand human sexuality at all. He just just gets everything wrong. Um, But, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But, go ahead.
7: I was just going to say, because I don't know if your 94 version is a little more um, politically correct than the one I read. But my memory is that he indeed went even farther. So masturbation, mutual masturbation, um, homosexuality, bestiality. So that's well oh, it leads into yeah, bestiality. one you yes, read me this exactly. afternoon, he
5: mentions bestiality. But he, here's here's my take on Kimball. So here's here's a man who doesn't understand it. So he where would he get most of his knowledge about it? Well he he would get it from interviewing people, and oftentimes they would send the hard cases up to the general authorities. And my understanding is Kimball was the one it was the member of the twelve who was assigned to deal with these cases. So if he starts probing into their history I think there's going to be a natural progression. I mean, let's, let's face it, let's be frank. Um, anal sex is a pretty advanced sex practice. And not everybody who becomes a homosexual immediately jumps into that, you know, sort of full on sodomy. So they're going to go through a progression and they're going to have it just like heterosexuals have. They're going to have a natural progression of what sort of sex acts they engage in. And what he's describing is sort of like, sort of a normal progression if you're a, if you're a homosexual male, you know, you're going to, masturbate individually because that's what everybody does and then eventually you're going to get a boyfriend or somebody and you're probably going to touch each other and stuff before you go for the full monty and all he's describing is yeah but of what normally happens but what he's missing out on is he's got this weird sort of causality because you could make the case that masturbation leads to being a general authority too because i'm sure 95 <laughs> percent of those guys masturbated before the It can lead to anything john yeah yeah because it's 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 just it's a nonsensical argument
6: do we have the statistics about how many how many people actually do masturbate? Well, I, I can tell you not, what it
5: was when I was
3: eleven years old.
6: I'm sure it hasn't changed much.
3: It was not, what I read in, in an encyclopedia was that ninety percent of men and sixty percent of women.
6: Oh, um, another ten percent lie. Another ten
3: percent lie.
5: Um, Glenn, you were just saying you want you had something. Um, why don't you, you- were talking about the the caus- causation,
2: the causality um, in President Kimball's Miracle mm. of Forgiveness, and I've got this this quote that uh, – it's always been kind of humorous to me, but it fits this perfectly. And he starts off saying, how like the mistletoe is immorality. The killer plant starts with a sticky sweet berry. Once rooted, it sticks and grows a leaf, a branch, a plant. It never starts mature or full-grown. It always transplants an infant, nor does immorality begin in adultery or perversion. Those are full-grown plants. Little indiscretions are the berries. Indiscretions like sex thoughts, sex discussions, passionate kissing. The leaves and little twigs are masturbation and petting and such, growing with every
5: exercise. <laughs> so it's kind of like Bacoma 32, the little the twigs naughty growing. <laughs> All right, so so um,
7: that explains a dream I had.
5: <laughs> so so the um, the brethren, particularly Kimball, and and, and the miracle forgiveness. Well, is Bru- still in a- Bruce
6: R, we got it. We'll
5: get to Bruce R in a second because he's going to take it up a notch. But for Kimball, <laughs> um, masturbation was bad. Because it led to homosexuality, that once you started down the path of masturbation, you were going to end up committing um, homosexuality. Does anybody know, has there been any research in the church? Is there a higher instance of male homosexuality among Mormons than among the general populace?
6: I doubt that study's been done. I've heard it
7: anecdotally, though.
5: I, I would think if there is, it's only for opportunity. When you start locking a bunch of 19-year-old horny males together, you know, there, there's, what do they call you know, like the prison sex thing? Um, I never saw any of this on my mission. I've heard people talk about this stuff. I, I never saw anything that I would consider sort of homoerotic, um, but maybe I'm not real tuned into that sort of <laughs> It's stuff. all
7: the wrestling and pinching and slapping butts?
5: I didn't see any of that. Oh. no, I never saw any of that on my that's
7: mission. That's like the
6: military, too. Do they have a higher... Instance of
5: I'm sure they would say they homosexuality. don't. But
2: are, are, are we done discussing, though, the harms of masturbation? Are are, are you sticking to this
5: one thing about homosexuality? No, I, I think there are other harms. You no, know, we've got other harms. Well. I just wanted okay, to drive yeah. that okay. point home that I think for a lot of people, and it's been repeated over and over again, that masturbation led to homosexuality, and that was one of the, the main reasons it needed to be avoided.
6: That And that wasn't a reason I was ever
7: given.
5: Well, it, it, it's interestingly enough, almost everything about masturbation in the church is aimed at men.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yes, right. women were oddly missing in the miracle of forgiveness, which means with men, they at least acknowledge it. With women, it is so bad. It cannot <laughs> even it be mentioned. It doesn't even happen. Well,
5: if you think about most like bishops and stake presidents, I think they would be more comfortable asking you know, men okay. and boys about masturbation than they'd be asking women. Yeah. So it might just be it's d- d- missing for want of hmm. embarrassment or whatever.
6: I don't know. I, I think that they don't like to think that women have strong sexual urges they like to think that the men are the on the prowl and the women are the prey
5: yes
7: yeah yes the women give pleasure they don't receive it
2: but but that doesn't happen like in the young women's program you no, know no. At, at girls camp and things like that no. they don't bring it up and no I, I think I mean I've got a
5: 14 year old daughter and I think that they have discussions like that with her
6: well, but now they, they might nowadays but
5: the rules have changed I think. I think there's getting to be more of an acknowledgement of that. But I still see people talking about they have a special meeting where they bring all the men together and they talk about masturbation. Uh, and the then women,
6: they do the lift cupcake exercise. No, with
5: women, <laughs> with the ones I hear about, they will talk about how to keep your man from masturbating. Like they'll, so they'll talk, they'll tra- train the women on how to search like internet files. Oh, well,
6: or, that's porn. Yes. Well, well, I guess that goes oh, along with masturbation. Yeah. yeah. Hand in hand. So, what are the other reasons? Why they, they give why we shouldn't be masturbating.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it dulls sensitivity to the spirit, is the main one that I've heard. Because if, you, if you're focusing so much on your physical bodily pleasures, then you won't be able to feel the, uh, the, the Holy Ghost prompting you.
6: And, and it's also like an exercise in self control that if you can't control your body, you know, in the earth, how can you expect to become a God?
3: Right Yeah we're, I've heard that one too Yeah The little one that stuck with me Is that it's the sin next to murder So mm-hmm. Yep That one kind oh, of Oh yeah. because
2: you're wasting you're, the, the <laughs> Abusing the, the procreative powers Right yeah Oh that, that's that Monty Python song
5: Right Every sperm is sacred <laughs> <laughs> That's funny Yeah, yeah. Hey M- Major Bidimum on the uh, chat Says that the mission president Told the guys in his zone meeting That the girls in the zone Were masturbating too He said unfortunately There were only two sisters In the meeting <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they probably became a lot more popular after that <laughs> uh, That's funny <laughs> Alright, all so should we go to Bruce R
6: For, yeah, the, for the, the,
5: the, the, the A-bomb of masturbation
6: Well, I don't know about that But it's a killer quote um, Okay, so he says Virtue may be lost by degrees And chastity may be destroyed a step at a time Which is like the mistletoe argument Immodesty Necking and petting, themselves a form of sex immorality, frequently lead to much grosser offenses. Every degree and type of lewdness, lasciviousness and licentiousness of con I can't even know if I can read this word. Concup concupescence, I don't know what that word is. Prostitution and whoredoms, of sodomy, onanism. And what did you say onanism? onanism? Onanism?
5: Um usually it refers to masturbation.
6: Yeah, like spilling seed on the earth. Okay, and homosexuality. Oh, that's of, right.
5: Onan was the name of the guy in
2: the Old Testament.
6: Yeah. Of masturbation, yes. incontinence, so no peeing your pants. <laughs> and perversion of rape, seduction, and infidelity of adultery, fornication, and uncleanliness. I thought he just kind of picked every word he could think of that had to do with genitalia.
7: You know, I think he was masturbating as he wrote it.
6: <laughs> All these things, as well as many others, are condemned by divine edict and are among Lucifer's chief means of leading souls to hell. Fine distinctions between them are of no particular moment and are not necessary to observance of the divine laws involved. So,
5: so that's the key. That's the key.
6: Fine distinctions between them are of no particular moment and are not necessary to observance of so, the divine law. So, for involved. Bruce
5: McConkie, masturbation and rape, rape, are in the same category. <clears throat> there's no, there's no, there's no difference.
7: No real distinctions.
5: Um, and where's the the so part you're where you're raping he says your the,
7: own penis or vagina? Is the, that it?
5: The, well, that, that's why it's called well. self abuse, young lady. <sighs> um, the, uh, Where's the part where he says that it's the second only to murder?
7: I,
6: I can't find it. I'm looking and looking.
5: Oh, yeah. He goes yeah, on to say, that, of say course, that. all these sins together are second only to murder. So for Bruce R. McConkie, and I'm sure many of you have heard this repeated, you know, masturbation is is worse than insert any other crime except murder here, you know?
7: Well, it's murdering of all those tiny little sperms that could make little babies.
5: I, I, it's, it's just a, it's just a weird sort of teaching. I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems to lack any nuance. I, I don't know where, where in all they, they got it. Now, we can go back to the Victorians and, and through, you know, the post war period where there was a general cultural zeitgeist against masturbation. And I think they were riding that wave, but, um, to, to go as far as, as McConkie went, um, is, is very odd, I think.
6: You know, yeah, nothing, it, li- nothing dies when ladies. Good
7: point, Sinclair. Yeah. Oh, you oh, are spot funny. on. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when, when uh, you know Joseph Smith, when when he when you read his his uh, introduction or, or, or whatever, when he writes about he had his indiscretions of youth. I think it was in between his Moroni visitations, and he talks about he he succumbed to the normal foibles of youth. I always wondered when I was a kid. If that included masturbation,
6: yeah, I did in, too in
2: his mind. And, and I, I just would be curious to know if he had the same thoughts about it that, like a McConkie does or a hardline. I I really doubt that he would be that militant.
7: No, it seems Joseph was kind it. of the hippie of uh, all the prophets, <laughs> no. right?
5: Well, he, he had, the, yeah, free love. I definitely think <laughs> this sort of. Um, um, pharisaical writing would never come from joseph smith you know this right. this is not the 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 early sort of writing that the the early way the church thought this is something that came later uh, much later where that you get really sort of pedantic and down to um defining exactly what you do and exactly what you think and i don't want to attribute this sort of stuff to, to smith he was much better than that like i
2: can imagine him feeling guilt i mean feeling you know okay this is something that is of youth I should not do this if I'm going to be you know dealing with gods and visiting angels I mean it, it, when I was a kid I could imagine that I mean cuz I I kind of felt that same way about myself if I'm going to be you know on a mission and things like that I shouldn't be it, but you know I so I always looked at Joseph Smith as a role model that way but I I never went so far as the hardcore McConkie type thing or even the well, miracle lot... forgiveness stuff but
6: a lot know. of times the the only reason that they bring up not to masturbate is because you'll feel guilt and shame. Yeah. And then you have to wonder, why are we all feeling guilt and shame?
5: Yeah, but that's sort of a cop-out on their part, because th- they can't say that when they're installing guilt and shame. That's people, what I'm saying. You know. Yeah. Um, but
6: which came first.
5: The, there, there's, no, there's no doubt that in a lot of conservative Christian movements, the LDS Church included, they want to make those sort of things very shameful for for the but people. What participating. what good does that
6: do? Any okay. Here's my question: What harm really does masturbation cause anybody?
5: Well, I, I I think physiologically, I mean, we've we've shown it doesn't cause any problem. There's no hair on the palms. There's no blindness. There's no hair on the there's, palms. there's no any of that stuff. Um, and there, it would seem that the research would show there's no increased libido or anything like that. Although
6: I think sometimes it does help women to keep their libido.
5: There's studies that show it helps reduce prostate cancer, that it helps Higher. all sorts of things.
7: Definitely. Because as we were discussing the difference between men and women just earlier tonight, with men being a gas stove and women being electric, they take a lot of time to warm up and a lot of time to warm down. Cool down. Yeah, it-
6: so anyway, well, Robin and I are saying that it actually helps to keep a woman's libido running yes. the more it's being used.
5: Well, and, and I think, you know, as long as we're talking about the positives from a female perspective, a lot of women, and especially young women in conservative movements like the Mormon Church, grew up with no idea of their anatomy, with no idea of the mechanics of, of an orgasm or even sex. And to introduce masturbation to them younger would have healthier um uh, effects for their relationships, I would, I would believe.
6: Yeah, we we discussed that in the uh, in the female sexuality podcast.
5: So now the question does does it do psychological harm? the The answer seems to be: if you believe it's wrong, then it does. If you don't believe it's wrong, then it doesn't. So, so this is where, if we're going to wag our finger at the church on this issue, it's they create. Um, the, the problems associated with it. And we know that there have been suicides. There have been... Uh, I mean, I know people. Uh, honestly, I know people who don't actively participate in the church who are otherwise believers because they they believe they can't kick masturbation. That alone. Wow. There's there's definitely a negative psychological effect. And, you know, one of the things that I've argued before with the church is let's say if you had a bell curve of people... um and this is sort of the bell curve is how honest they are or how much guilt they feel towards those things, how seriously they take the church. The people who are really, really super serious, they're going to do everything they can, all of this talk to stop masturbating. Then you've got the people down at the other end who don't give a rip. They'll lie um, to anybody. It's the people in the middle that'll feel guilty. So the harder you press on things like masturbation, what you do is you weed out that middle group and you have just the, the, the sort of sexual loonies like Boyd K. Packer and Spencer Kimball who talk about things like you can control sexual urges and not have them at all. And that's just, that's just lunacy in my mind. And then you get people who are manipulative, who will use the church, you know, who don't care at all. About trying to obey on any front, you know, they'll go down their fifth of scotch and then go be the the the, the stake president the next day because they they they're, they're they're sociopaths. It's this middle group who might otherwise be good spiritual contributing people who say, "Well, I'm not worthy to take that calling," but meanwhile, the sociopaths and mm-hmm. the weird mm-hmm. asexuals are the ones who get promoted up in, in positions. So the church really sort of by this sort of teaching that normal everyday sexual behavior is deviant. Damages its own its own clientele its own basis. Uh, John, so are are you are you saying that everyone
2: that's in a position of church leadership is either on one of those two extremes, and anybody that's kind of
5: in the middle is out? No, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue it's to that. It's an overgeneralization. Extreme, but I I would think that you select for those so, those sort of things. You know, it's because yeah, I mean, you've got some people that are extreme, but I I mean, I don't. I know. I don't, I don't think across the board that way. You know, for, for me growing up, I was never asked. I know a lot of people were. I was never asked if I masturbated till I got to BYU. They, yeah. they, they mm-hmm. just, they didn't, they didn't ask that question.
3: Here, here's a general question. What, um, what callings, what things would you not be allowed to do if, if you were open with your bishop about being a mas-
5: and uh, Being a, being a, masturbator. Yeah, a
3: serial masturbatist.
5: <laughs> um, you know, and this is the last point I want to make before we get to the actual text <laughs> is, if you go to the Church Handbook of Instructions, it does not mention masturbation at all. And the Church, I think, has purposefully in the last 20 years or so been vague about the topic. There are no directions to bishops or stake presidents on what to do with masturbators. And I know that—we uh, shouldn't say masturbators. We should say, like, the <laughs> Every, membership. Everybody. Like
6: normal people.
5: <laughs> um, so, so so there are bishops Thanks, uh, who, like will, who will tell people they can't go to the temple. There's others who will <laughs> say, you need to try— And then that's where they'll leave it, you know, and, and, you know, they'll say, well, it's not, you know, you know, so, 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 so they're all across the board. And unfortunately, that leads to that uneven, uneven enforcement where there's people who are otherwise, you know, would be great contributors and worthy who are not. And there's people who are,
6: and who have to miss their, their siblings, weddings and stuff because they, they masturbated last month.
5: Right. Right, and, and how, mu- how much of that do you think is self-imposed
2: guilt, and how much is like church-imposed guilt? Well, it, it's and self-imposed
6: otherwise. because of what the church teaches. It w- they yeah, would have or zero. how much of what
2: they kind of infer that the church is is teaching? You know, like, like when I think about my own situation, because because I was maybe seventeen or eighteen years old when when this was me. And I went to my bishop when I was 17, and I brought this before him. I, I scheduled a, an interview for a patriarchal blessing, because I was just embarrassed to go and say, Bishop, I've masturbated. A- and, you know, so I did, like, I hummed and hawed, and I went around the thing, and then finally, he was ready to give me my temple recommend, and I just had to come out with it, and I said, Bishop, you know, I, I, di- I did this. And he looked at me like it was no big deal, and he's like, okay, well, um... He, he he just treated it like it was nothing, and he said, "Well, I think you can still get your patriarchal blessing." And I I was, <laughs> I was actually disappointed. It's probably that, a- he, that he didn't make a bigger deal about it. And I even though I had my recommend to get my patriarchal blessing, I I put a I put myself under a self imposed disciplinary action. I, I didn't know anything about this Marky e. Peterson thing. I don't think I ever saw it until you know years later when the internet. Came around. But I, was that because of teachings from McConkie or just my own stuff? I, Didn't they I don't talk
6: know. to you about self-abuse? No. See, no.
2: When the, there he, was was a... he was completely cool about no, it when no, I look not at it him. in retrospect. I'm talking but about – I wouldn't accept it.
6: At other times during your growing up years, they never mentioned sexual when, when immorality. When I was 13,
5: they had this special thing for all the, all the boys. They divided all the boys up as a special mutual night. And this guy was talking about pipes and factories. And I remember just sitting there through the whole thing saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? Never yeah. once mentioned masturbation, never once mentioned penis, anything, right. anything that would be like real information, you know, and I was honestly curious. Is he talking about what I think he's talking mm-hmm. about? But I, I was confused. Um, So I, I think, I think for Glenn, Glenn, I think, it's largely a function of if your bishop's masturbating or not. You know, if he is, he's probably going to be more lenient. But here's Maybe. some of the things we got from the from the, the chat room. One of the one of the guys said that on his mission, he wasn't allowed to go to the temple um, with the other missionaries because of masturbation. Another individual said that in their state currently, it's six month waiting period if you've masturbated before oh you can go God. to the temple. Oh, wow. Um, and and this is why I would lay the blame at the church for this one for for for. For pansying out of this, for not having a policy, because because it allows for this sort of uneven, um, enforcement of this.
6: People are going to, like you said, if, if the bishop is, is understanding and probably has a, has, um, struggled or has issues with masturbation himself, then he'll be a lot less, less strict.
3: But
2: well, whether, regardless I mean, whether though, he's struggling or having issues, or he's just you know yeah, he doesn't see that it's a problem.
3: You still hit that wave head-on though, Glenn. Regardless of whether or not the bishop was lenient or another bishop would have you know punished you, you knew that it was wrong just from the teachings of the church. From what yeah, your feelings I, were I right felt personally, right. right. So yeah. then you felt like you weren't punished, and you wanted to punish yourself, and you want you know exactly. you are those things. So regardless of whether or not we have a really cool bishop or whatever we, you know, you're, you're still the one carrying the weight. And
2: and, in that interview that, that uh, Tom did a month or so ago with, with the bishop, he, you know, he got a lot of flack on the the comment board from people saying, you're still sending confusing messages to the youth who come in, you know, maybe, maybe you don't, you don't give them a hard time about masturbation or not, but the church still has this message or not. But I, I, I would say, even if the bishop says it's okay, you know, what whatever the individual does i i think it's still a lot up to them and maybe, maybe it's because of messages like we've covered with McConkie or packer's little factory talk well, or other things like that that are out there in the the ether i'll, the, I'll tell the, you about the, the
5: first time i confessed um it would they were coming up on i must have been 14 they were coming up on a um, t- ward temple baptism night so you know i felt bad about passing the sacrament but i felt Awful, like it was a you know a mortal sin to go through the temple that way. Um, but I was not one who really wanted to confess, so I brought up my courage, I confessed, and the bishop was just sort of nonchalant about it. And but he didn't tell, you know, he said, Yeah, you know, you might want to, you know, avoid, you know, it, it, just some gent, some sort of low key sort of Marky Peterson stuff, but not nearly that bad. But. He didn't say, he didn't like, I pronounce you clean, son. <laughs> and he didn't tell me to go like do some Hail Marys or something. I went out of that, I went out of that interview feeling great, the best I'd felt in years in the church. But it only lasted for about four or five days till I started second guessing that again and saying, well, he didn't really tell me that I was absolved. Um, you know, so, so I, I, I came out feeling awful, and that's where I say this this whole thing with the church, where they allow it to ride in that middle territory, you know, they own some of this guilt, and unfortunately, like I said before, the suicides, and other terrible actions. Real Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
6: self-abuse.
5: And maybe a lot of that comes from just being in a culture where you feel like
2: someone has stewardship over you that can or should resolve you of your sins, instead of feeling like you can have a direct relationship with whoever, whatever, and
6: be yeah, worthy all on your own. To, supposed you know? to be a middleman, I, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
5: All right, enough of all this talk about bopping the bacon. Are are we ready to go on to the? Uh, <laughs> are we ready to go on to the speech? Did you have something you want to say, Robin?
7: My primary memory about my baptism, which I always felt so guilty because we were supposed to feel all special afterwards, and when they come. For the Holy Ghost, all of that neat stuff, and all I could think about was the day before saying, "This is the last day I can masturbate.
2: <laughs> seven years old, eight years old?
7: Oh yes, probably two yeah you don't you
6: don't need to have a <laughs> I mean males develop in a different way with their genitalia than females. Do females are born into the world with that um ability? Yes, definitely. And I
7: know for me, um, at least as a child, uh, I had a brother who died when I was four years old. He was 11. And my entire family was not emotionally available at all. I was left entirely on my own for a big chunk of my life. And that was how I comforted myself. That's how I survived. It was actually a very loving act that i provided for myself for survival so when i got a little bit older and learned oh my heavens what i had just done to realize that the act of loving myself was dirty Mm -hmm. it was really kind of a rotten thing Mm -hmm.
2: so where where do you think you learned at seven years old that baptism meant you couldn't or weren't supposed to do that anymore
7: well, because I knew it was wrong. Because every time my parents saw me, they kind of went a little crazy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I recognized yeah. there was something wrong with it as soon as my parents caught me. But gotcha.
5: <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys ready to uh, take a look at the take a look at the talk here? So for those following along at home, I'm looking at the text. Or we talked in the beginning. There are multiple texts. The L Dolphin L D O L P H I N dot org slash Mormon dot html. Um, seems to be a fairly um, consistent content of the of the talk or letter or whatever the heck it was
6: whoever wrote this is like genius I mean these are so fun I can't even I mean I couldn't even come up with something more just fun ridiculous about masturbation than, than it, it, this.
5: It reads like something from The Onion. It reads like yes. parody. It really does. Yes, and it if it does. hadn't been around for so long, you would think it was. So but that's what makes me one... I mean, it's, it's just what makes me skeptical of the whole thing. Like, really... Uh, But go ahead and read them. It's so fun. But but like we said in the beginning, even if they're not, they have been sucked up into the general zeitgeist.
6: And there has been probably somebody who has tried every single one of these steps numerous times. Yeah.
5: (laughs) So there's eight steps to self-control, then there's 21 suggestions. So let's start with our eight steps to um, self-control. Never touch the intimate parts of your body except during normal toilet processes. No way. Avoid, There's
4: no way, John.
5: Avoid being no alone way. as much as possible. Find no good way. companion and stay in this, in good, find good company and stay in this company. No, you know that this is in the White Bible. Uh, you know, it, it, except this, during normal toilet processes. There were Are missionaries you, who said this is somebody the only t- who's t-
2: intentionally trying to satirize, like, I don't think. So. No, how how
3: is, else would you say it? This Glenn? is an
5: old guy writing this. <laughs> this um, is
6: no way! No way! I can't accept it. <laughs> except
5: during
2: normal toilet processes.
6: How would you say that, Glenn? Yeah. In a, if, in a more If you were
2: ninety we're years old, how would you write the that? the intimate parts of your body except during normal toilet processes? I just can't. No, come on.
6: What do you, you want him to say? Unless you're wiping your.
7: <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> <You're> delicious- <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just fishy to me. I, and and until I see an original document, it's just going to be fishy to me. I've just got these you're, red you're flags. You're allowed to,
6: you all. to, to have those uh, feelings. Yeah,
2: okay. I mean, like, like I said, I agree that these sentiments are, you know, are out there. But to really attribute it this to this one person that was you're, delivered in this way in a you're pamphlet just, or you're a writing are you're just quibbling
5: thing, over language because that is in the missionary handbook right now. Is okay. it? Yes. It says you're not allowed to be alone. I'm talking about except during normal toilet processes. That just seems absurd.
6: When do you think you should touch your intimate parts of your body, Glenn? (laughs) I'm
3: talking what would
5: be an (laughs) abnormal (laughs) toilet process, (laughs) 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 Glenn. Toilet (laughs) 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 processes seems
7: absurd. We're crossing a few boundaries here. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
5: Number two. (laughs) If you're associated with other persons having this same problem, you must break off their friendship. (laughs) Never associate with other people having the same weakness. Don't suppose that two of you will quit together. You never will. You must get away from people of that kind. Just being in their presence will keep your problem foremost in your mind. The problem must be taken out of your mind, for that is where it really exists. You, Your mind must be on other and more wholesome things.
7: My first thought about this one is my... I decided to look at Sons of Helaman just to torture myself today. And, um.
5: Tell us what Sons of Helaman is.
7: Oh, it's actually an officially sanctioned group. Oh, oh I'll tell you what their, bi- or their main, what they say. Uh, Conquering Morality Challenges Pre- and Post-Mission, and it's specifically about masturbation and porn addictions for young men. Of course, I don't know. I'm not sure they want to introduce the now, women.
5: Now, you said porn addiction. I want to be clear that when the church says porn addiction, they mean porn usage.
7: I absolutely understand that.
5: Okay. I just want to be clear.
7: Oh, to, to the, our audience. Yeah. Yes. yeah
5: they, they, don't, they don't make any distinction between addiction and just...
7: Yes, definitely. And so this idea and it's kind of funny because right in here it says don't associate with anyone like that. They might actually tell you they feel that way too and you might feel normal for just a moment. <laughs> anyway, um but but part of their whole prog- program is the camaraderie because you meet with other male masturbators who are trying to prepare for a mission and sometimes and I've heard they have a group of mothers that meet separately. Wow. Ooh. Nothing like having your mother there discussing your masturbation.
6: Well, I know that when I read this one, I just thought, oh, that, because for me, after one of those interviews to go to the temple like John had, and I had confessed about my um, masturbation, I came out and I just, I felt really horrible. And then one of my friends said, so, you know, was there anything you, you had to, you know, talk to the bishop about, and I was like, "It was really, you know, embarrassing." And then he said, "Well, you know, I had to," and so we finally came around to telling each other. And wow, what a relief that was, and what a support we were to each other. It wasn't harmful at all. So I think this number two is just bizarre.
5: Well, I want to, I want to get to number three because that's what I have a big problem with. <laughs> can, can I, I, before we go to that, for for me, for number two, this seems
2: very contrary because. I, I I had several people who part of their friendship and part of their friendship building was confessing their their masturbation and actually saying, "Will you help me with this?" And they felt that bringing this out in the open was a way of conquering it.
7: Right. So well, number two, I think it was really promiscuous disclosure, and we know LDS folks seem to be prone to that. <laughs> And even ex mormons <laughs> well I,
5: I think that I think that this is a standard technique of control. you know um, you don't want people to communicate this because then people will think it's normative behavior
7: mm-hmm.
5: um, so all right, number three, when you bathe, do not admire yourself in the mirror. John never stay in the bath <laughs> for more than five or six minutes, just long enough to bathe and dry and dress, and then get out of the bathroom and into a room where you have some member of your family present. <laughs> I can't I can't <laughs> believe it. If
6: you sit it, in the tub right. for more than five or six minutes.
5: <laughs> Do not admire
2: yourself in a mirror. It just seems like <laughs> like whoever wrote this, whoever concocted this was very aware of the you know, what you mentioned, John, the whole homophobic language in a uh, President Kimball type thing, and they were playing to that in here.
6: Yeah, Marky mm-hmm. Peterson.
2: Yeah. Like, oh, because because we're going to construct a a pseudo witness in Marky e. Peterson somebody who's homophobic so we're going to put this in here somebody who would say don't admire yourself in a mirror but yeah, i can't he I would just, say that I can't, I can't imagine that's real
5: all right are, are you are you done buzz killington go ahead all right number 4 when in bed if that is where you have your problem for the most part dress yourself for the night so securely that you cannot easily touch your vital parts <laughs> and so that it would be difficult and time consuming for you to remove those clothes
7: by the time <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Actually, you're so busy laughing But this is heartbreaking By the time you started to remove protective
6: clothing You would have sufficiently controlled your thinking That the temptation would leave you
7: <laughs> John, I'm glad you have a lot of restrictive clothing right now Yeah, me too
6: <laughs>
7: Oh, man So uh, I th- guess Hey, can I do a buzzkill? Zip, zip up, there. yeah, I want a buzz kill. Oh, so I. One of my memories of seventh grade, we had this crazy speaker. For some reason, I have no idea what she was qualified to talk about, besides crazy. And she told us about two children she adopted, little tiny children, two or three years old, who had this horrible masturbation problem. Um, but she told us about seventh graders. She's telling seventh graders about putting them in very restrictive onesies and like, you know. Hmm. safety pinning them together and i'm like those poor children they've gone through hell probably if to take away their one comfort the one way they can feel better what a meanie
5: (laughs) all right number five if the temptation seems overpowering while you're in bed get out of bed and go to the kitchen and fix yourself a snack
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) even if it is the
5: middle of the night and even if you're not hungry And despite your fears of gaining weight,
6: (laughs) the purpose behind the suggestion is that you get
5: your mind on something else. You are the subject of your thoughts, so to speak.
2: I want to see somebody out there make an amendment to this. And please put out a list of very detailed which snacks to avoid. Like oh bananas I, and but avoid the bananas, <laughs> avoid hot dogs. You know all, all the things that you cannot make as a snack. But Apple what Apple pie.
4: Snacks? If
2: somebody's <laughs> really going to get creative with the the next Marky Peterson thing, I want to say cucumbers. Who's I, saying this?
6: I have we're, to we're reading admit, the
2: lick here. The one
6: that that the part that says and despite your fears of gaining weight sounds a little bit suspicious.
2: Yeah, well, be, be, because this is somebody who's admiring themselves in a the mirror. You don't want to gain weight with your midnight <laughs> snack. It's, uh, it's a disincentive to overpowering your overpowering uh, temptations. Oh, come on. I mean, well,
4: the I, 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 I do have...
2: admit, this is a very fun...
4: <laughs> I, I mean,
2: th- there's, there's so much appeal to this. I mean, that's why this thing has lasted, and it continues in multiple variations. But
6: Well, the sad thing is that a real? lot of people believe that these could actually work. If they go and get themselves a snack, then you know, then their masturbation <laughs> fix for the night is over. They, they don't have to worry about it anymore.
2: It just makes a
5: bigger mess.
6: Whipped <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. cream.
5: <laughs> Number six.
6: <laughs> never so read fun. pornographic
5: material. Never, never read about <laughs> your problem. It. <laughs> Keep it out of mind. Remember, first a thought, then an act.
6: Oh, we're reading about it.
5: The thought pattern must be changed. You must not allow this problem to remain in your mind. When you accomplish that, you you soon will be free of the act. And this is where I say, I, I mean, to a degree, that's true, um, probably. But um, you know, I, I heard it said a little while ago. You know, our our, our language evolved in us about you know maybe twelve thousand years ago. Um, probably a lot of our modern acts in the last you know hundred thousand years. But sex goes all the way back. You know, you the the sex drive in, in the human being is billions of years old. And you just can't will your way out of that sort of stuff. You know, you can control it. I'm not saying we don't have self-control, but you can't, you can't by practicing, pretending that your mind is a stage or anything, will yourself not to have sexual urges.
3: Yeah, this is self-abuse, you know, to say, never read about your problem You know, keep it out of your mind. I mean, you just, the the contortionism that you'd have to do. Yeah, everybody
5: right now, don't think about bananas. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just not possible.
6: (laughs) And stop reading this. (laughs) Yeah, and stop reading this right now.
5: Okay, number seven, put wholesome thoughts into your mind at all times. Read good books, church books, scriptures, sermons of the brethren. Make a daily habit of reading at least one chapter of scripture, preferably from one of the four Gospels in the New Testament or the Book of Mormon. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Above anything else in the Bible can be helpful because they're uplifting qualities. So when you see stuff like this, Glenn, you you still think this is a big jokester writing all this. Absolutely. The more more I read of it, the more convinced I become. All right. Eight, pray. But when you pray, don't pray about this problem. (laughs) That (laughs) will tend to keep it in your mind more than ever. Pray for faith. Pray for understanding of the scriptures. Pray for the missionaries, the general authorities, your friends, your families. But keep the problem out of your mind by not mentioning it ever. Not in conversation with others, not in your prayers. Keep it out of your mind. Where's the one? Yeah, I'm- don't
2: don't think about the problem as you're praying. Just think very hard about not thinking about it. But don't think too hard about thinking about not thinking about it because then you're thinking about not thinking about it. It will just lend you to think about not thinking about it even more. And God thinks that's pretty bad, so why don't you just think about that?
6: You, you know, th- did, major— did you see-
5: Ma- Major Bidamom.
6: No, uh, New Order thirteen one <laughs> received a copy of this from his mission president when he yeah. t- told the mission president about his problem with masturbation.
2: Uh huh. So well, you get you get a copy of some piece of folklore from but, another af- but, authority but figure, and you go, okay,
5: then well, then it's it must no, be no true. longer
6: folklore. That's my point from it's the beginning. Real. Yes, It is. It, it's it, real.
5: It doesn't matter. It's it's like it's like you're saying Mormons don't really believe in Adam and Eve because there was no Adam and Eve that's that, that's 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 a they false construction. They do and believe Eve. in
6: Adam and Eve. The they fact do that Adam believe and Eve, in this. The Adam and Eve so were not you've real. You've got
2: the Adam and Eve story in the temple. So, so does that make it more authority real? So because you've say, got the authority. So if we say Mormons story?
5: believe in these points, at least some of them do. You're saying no, they can't, because somebody wrote this other than Marky e. Peterson. That's irrelevant. i suspicious uh, until until it I see the original from Marky e. Peterson. Maybe he did. So once maybe it's distributed, Glenn, it doesn't real, matter
6: who wrote it. It okay. matters that it's being distributed to people who have a masturbation issue as a, a solution.
2: And it's still folklore. I From mean, the church. You're, you're thinking of a different definition of folklore than I am.
5: But it's, it's well, still it may folklore. Well, but I, I some just,
7: people are accepting it.
5: Where's my – I need a drop for a Tom sigh. Let's <laughs> what, <what's laughs> do it. What does it matter that it's folklore? I mean, it's obviously taken as gospel truth by some. It's distributed as, as if it's real. So, And that makes it real what what i mean by folklore is that this has been
2: created by someone other than who it's being attributed to in Mark E Peterson and it's continually being updated and changed like you you look at all of the multiple versions that are on there there's no consistency in in actually what's on i mean there's different versions that are out there so which version did the mission president give the guy that wrote it on the on the on the board the basic
6: suggestions which, are the same sure but diversions. there's
2: changes on it.
6: Okay, but I mean, it's basically I, the same I, idea.
2: I agree. I, I think I said it really nicely at the beginning. I don't remember exactly what I said. The, the, the sentiments are definitely part of the, the culture. And
5: it's it's like this revolving door. So okay, I, then. I mean, But the whole church is that way. I mean, I don't understand why it's a relevant point. Everything in the church is that way. It all gets it, passed yeah. along from one person and to the, changed. Other, to the it's, other. It's just this man-made
6: stuff. Okay, so but everybody accepts... Not Wait, everybody, but I don't, that, I, don't, I don't
2: think this is a I don't think that this is a Mark E Peterson creation. You said that, I, Glenn. I think it's a hoax.
6: Okay, it's You're a hoax. You're a dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hoax, Glenn. Let's yeah. read it.
5: I don't know. You, you read Mark E Peterson. He's got some other things yeah, out there. Yeah. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about other things. Yeah.
6: Okay. All right. So, are you done with the hoax thing? You brought it up.
7: <laughs> really?
5: <laughs> yeah. All right.
7: Hey, some of these are fun. We don't want to miss them. Let's get moving. They're awesome keep going
5: okay suggestions let's skip down to suggestions number one pray daily ask for the gifts of the spirit that would strengthen you against temptation pray fervently and out loud when the temptations are the strongest um i guess what the only thought i'd like to interject at this point is uh, again it's this juxtaposition of spirituality versus sexuality and actually i think mormons can be quite um progressive on this front you know, because I, th- I think if you looked at moder- modern Mormon teachings, it's like, sex is good, have lots of sex, but only after you're married.
6: Um, and to make babies.
5: Well, I don't even think that's around anymore. Um, you know, I, I that 20 years ago, yeah, that would have been the case. It would have been, you know, no birth control, sex about procreation. You're going to be hard-pressed to find people who say that today. They're, they're still out there, but that's not a mainstream church teaching anymore. Um but but you know this thing. But here again, they're saying prayer is over here, masturbation is over here. You can't be a sexual being and be a prayerful being in in the same in the same instance. Um, number two, follow a program of vigorous daily exercise. The exercise reduces emotional tension and depression are absolutely basic to the solution of this problem. Double your physical activity when you feel stressed increased.
6: That probably would be the most helpful thing on the list.
5: Depends on where you go exercise.
6: <laughs> and, <laughs> and where you're and, doubling and your activity. the suggestions
2: seem less clownish. They seem less over the top than the than a guide to self-control.
6: Yeah, I agree with you.
3: I had a mission companion that would do jumping jacks in the middle of the night.
6: <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, I had one that
3: did
5: push-ups all the time. Wow. <laughs> hmm. You guys were just too hot for them, I suppose. <laughs> all right, three, when the temptation to masturbate is strong, yell, stop to those thoughts as loudly as you can in your mind and then recite... Uh, a pre-chosen scripture or sing an inspirational hymn. It is important to turn your thoughts away from the selfish need to indulge. Um, set goals of abstinence. Begin with a day, then a week, month, year, and finally commit to never doing again. Until you commit yourself to never again, you will always be open to temptation. This is, you know, they're, they're, I'm speaking just from personal experience. The longer you go, the more the drive to do so is overpowering. You, you know, um and you know, if you don't do it, you'll you'll have nocturnal emission. It's like you can't get away from it as as a male. So, I I you know, in in a way to me, masturbation is like a sex control, like a release valve, a sex control device. Um, otherwise, you can start getting
6: everything looks like sexy things. Yeah. Every person is like a turn on, and every doorknob looks tempting. And
5: I, I, I'm not. I'm not. But don't it. you just get to a point where you just don't think about it? No. Are, are we talking? To, yeah, is that a question for me?
6: Don't yeah. think about what?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, like if you're setting goals for abstinence, like I, I had a friend that made like a scripture snake type thing where he took construction papers, and one for every day, and <laughs> hung it up in his room. You know, and like setting these very obvious physical goals where it was always right there in front of him and keeping that, that right there in front of him, it was always there. But w- when you stop thinking about it, I mean, I'm just going by personal experience too. It's not—I don't know. It just seems like it's not a big deal. Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. A nocturnal emission. You know, what's the big deal? Well, Glenn, I have but a question. It, yeah.
7: What helped you stop thinking about it? What were the techniques you used?
2: Uh, it just—it—it didn't—it didn't worry me anymore. Like I just didn't care.
7: You, so was it you gave Wait. yourself permission? Yeah. What Probably. do you mean you didn't care?
2: It didn't matter if it
5: happened or if it didn't. That's okay, the
6: key. So. Yeah. If you care, then you can't
5: Wait, it didn't matter if what happened or didn't. Are you talking about nocturnal m- emissions or I'm talking about
2: masturbation. I'm, th- I'm talking about like the like you know like setting goals of abstinence. But but even Wait, cuz I'm thinking back like as a as a missionary and like there were times where I would set cuz what you were talking about John was was how – like the longer that you go of abstinence, the harder that it is to stay because there's like a drive to to do it again? Isn't that what you said?
6: It increases over – It's my, anticipation. So, even the, with the, sex, but
2: it works. For, for, but my experience with that is that if I just stopped thinking – of like if I kept track and I'm like, okay, I'm going on day 35, I'm going on day 36, I'm going on day 37. If I stopped keeping track of that, it just – like – I didn't, I, it I didn't, didn't keep care. track. Didn't All I'm anymore. saying
5: is for me, and I'm always speaking for me. I'm no – biologist or sex therapist or anything that for me, my sex drive will keep increasing.
6: Mm. So Glenn, you're, you're arguing against um, suggestion number four, that, that by trying to keep track and setting goals and stuff actually makes it harder to stay abstinent. Is that what you're saying?
4: Uh, mm,
2: uh, I don't know. I, I've, I found that for me just kind of stop, well, like once I stopped caring about it, it just wasn't a big deal anymore. You know, I, I think I, I you are
7: right on but, as, as yeah. far as not caring, and that's how a lot of sexual impulses yeah. go.
3: But it's also physical. I mean, I'm, but it was it was kind of. Was, I'm sorry, Rich. Well, it's not go of, no, all of this. And I guess I'm bringing up a lot of mission stories, but uh, I was privy to a conversation. So the the mission president's wife in my mission is in probably most is in charge of the health care. Uh, and the well-being of the missionaries. One certain elder physically couldn't do any work, couldn't walk, was in physical pain, had to go to the doctor, uh, and the doctor says, "Well, you you know you need a masturbate," and that's that's what the whole problem Whoa. for him was. And uh, and I sat there and listened to the mission president's wife say, "But I mean, don't do that. I mean, obviously you can't. He's going to tell you to do this. Don't do that. Obviously." But what you was know,
6: any, were there any other options yeah, for yeah, the eat cure?
3: Eat bananas and I don't know what relevance that is could yeah. you get could you get a double cure if you combine the two <laughs> i think you could <laughs> so I, and this wasn't for me but I, but there were probably four elders that i knew on the mission that were had physical ailments for not being able to to have this release and wow. i guess nocturnally it just wasn't happening for them naturally or or what
2: and i think you know going back to the first question that that was asked john is there really harm in this you know once once you kind of let go and you go, there really isn't, it's really not harmful. And if if you can get past like the whole worthiness thing, you know, like my self-policing, then then all of this, you know, setting goals of abstinence begin with the day and a week and a stuff, all this, all this stuff.
5: I, I agree. That's a healthy yeah. attitude, yeah. but the church doesn't That's have not... that healthy attitude. No, no, no. Right, right, right. All right. Yeah. Um, cha- number five, change in behavior and attitude is most easily achieved. Through a change in self-image, spend time every day improving your. Imagine yourself strong and in control, easily overcoming tempting situations. It's repeated the same thing, and once again, I, I would say, sex drive is more chemical than it is a, a will to power. Um, seven. Be out. Oh, six. Begin to the, to work daily on a self-improvement program. Relate this plan to improving your church service. To improve your relationships with your family, God, and others. Strive to enhance your strengths and talents. And this is the standard Sunday school answer again. You know, um, The solution to every problem is to pay your tithing and um, pray and read your scriptures, right?
7: Obey and service.
5: <laughs> um, be, seven, be outgoing and friendly. Force yourself to be with others and learn to enjoy them. As long as they're not um, masturbators, apparently, though. Yeah, you've
6: got <laughs> avoid them.
5: Um, uh, Screen your fans wisely. Learn to enjoy working and talking to them. Use principles of developing friendship found in books such as How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I've read that book. It's, it's sort of – it's kind of a little Machiavellian. I don't – is that – anyway. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> be eight. Be aware of situations that depress you or cause you to feel lonely, bored, frustrated, or discouraged. These emotional states can trigger the desire to masturbate as a way of escape. Plan in advance to counter these low periods through various activities, such as reading a book, visiting a friend, doing something athletic.
6: But, so, I mean, just just the idea of of masturbating can cause you to feel those ways, and then you have to masturbate to to feel better. I was
7: going to say,
5: I I can understand that advice, but I would tell in reverse. If somebody came to me and said, you know, I'm lonely, bored, and frustrated, I'd say, have you masturbated lately? Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the problem.
7: Well, and one point is it seems like many of these seem to be giving you some... A roadmap to run away from your discomfort or feelings. And are the feelings really going to go away if you keep running? I mean, feel them. That's the best way to get rid of them. what
6: What, you know... What a
7: good release masturbation is for some of those things. And then then Right, that's true. And and that really has, yeah. And I really don't think masturbation has to do with it. But they're taking very normal things about people that you have stress, you have problems, you have traumas that crop up. You feel uncomfortable. And they're telling you, this is telling you, you need to masturbate. Right. It triggers the desire to masturbate.
5: All right, let's get back into
6: the crazy ones. Number nine. (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> you know, I, I, did, too, uh, I did read a study crazy, a few years huh? ago
2: that that suggested, and I wish I had a reference on this, that that masturbation can actually increase a sense of loneliness and desire if if it makes somebody feel like they're not worthy of being with somebody else. I mean, if 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 they already feel right.
7: alone by, by themselves,
2: so it it could th- there could be some merit there.
7: Well, everyone's individual. If it hurts you, don't do it. If you love it, go ahead.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I think if it hurts, you don't do it. is 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 good advice. But you know, almost everybody has some aspect of their life they're not fully in control on, and you know, like if you, if you overeat, you can feel like terrible every time you overeat. But at some point, it's going to be more healthy to say acceptance. You need to work on the problem. Yes. And 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 I, I would say everybody's got something like that. But sometimes it's the healthier thing to do. Say, you know, that's okay. I am what I am. Um, I'm going to work on that problem, but I accept it. And I think that's kind of what Glenn was saying about when he stopped keeping his calendar.
7: Right. But so overeating we, is more harmful than masturbation. So it's not uh, that uh, great. Well, and, and one part of this, um, is the idea, it seems recently in, um, social work fields, this idea of harm reduction. You can't do harm elimination because it's almost self-defeating. You can't completely eliminate things, or at least if you're shooting for that, you hurt yourself. But if you just concentrate on reduction, so if you mm-hmm. smoke a pack a day, try smoking one fewer.
6: Right, <laughs> you instead know. of completely stressing about the fact that you're you know, still smoking, exactly. celebrate the fact that you're smoking less than you were
7: last, last week. Yeah, and if it was harmful, and where, of course, masturbation isn't.
5: Yeah, and to reiterate, the only far- harm on masturbation is if you think it's bad.
7: Right, so that's definitely. what causes
6: the guilty feelings.
5: Okay, number nine. Make a pocket calendar for a month on a small card. Carry it with you, but show it to no one. If you have a lapse of self-control, color the day black. (laughs) Your goal will be to have no black days. The calendar becomes a strong visual reminder of self-control and should be, or lack thereof, or could and should be looked at when you're tempted to add another black day. Keep your calendar up until you have at least three clean, clear months.
6: So, so once you color it black, then you're free. That's like a free pass for the rest of the day, right?
5: <laughs> you mind? I wonder what happens to me every Tuesday. Good point. <laughs> it's horrible. To, to me, this is the antithesis of what they were saying up here before. They're saying, don't think about it. And to have it track it.
6: Yeah. Is... Well, they, sa- they did say, you know, set goals and and keep track so that goes along with that one but
3: just that process of scribbling out that day i lost this day <laughs> you know what i mean
6: it is no Ooh, good that's me. a
3: sad thing really what 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 i, what I, I did with I my calendar said, I, that's I, horrible
2: i'm sorry rich i
3: keep no you're fine you. i'd like to hear about your calendar glenn
2: <laughs> well no I, I i had percentages of like and and so like the the masturbation was just like one of like listening, because this was all stuff I was doing when I was a missionary, and so it was like listening to music was one thing, and masturbation was another, and whatever other mission rules. Like we had to shine our shoes every day, or eat wheat cereal every day. So there were all wheat these things, cereal? and like I, if I did them all, it, I got a hundred percent.
7: Oh, and so Glenn, it was, poor
2: thing. I know that was me. <laughs> so like I would have four days of a hundred percent, and that would go down to ninety percent and seventy. And I I used code words, so if anybody saw my calendar, they wouldn't know which one. I didn't achieve, because, you know, I didn't want to be embarrassed if somebody knew that I wasn't shining my shoes.
5: So now we know what or it was. was. You Baptisms are so naughty. off in uh, Japan, because Glenn wasn't shining his shoes and was shining other parts. <laughs> That's right.
6: That's right.
5: Number 10, a careful mm-hmm. study will indicate you have had the problem at certain times and under certain conditions. <laughs> well, I was joking about this. They're serious. Try and recall in detail uh, what you your particular time and conditions were. Now that you understand how it happens, plan to break the pattern through counter activities.
6: Counters work sometimes.
5: (laughs) Robin, you said you wanted to read number 11?
7: I sure do. This is one of my faves. Okay, number eleven. In the field of psychotherapy, there is a very effective technique called aversion therapy. When we associate or think of something very distasteful with something which has been pleasurable but undesirable, the distasteful thought and feeling will begin to cancel out that which is pleasurable. If you associate something very distasteful with your loss of self-control, it will help you to stop the act. For example, if you are tempted to masturbate, think of having to bathe in a tub of worms and eat several of them (laughs) as you do the act. It sounds goofy, but it actually works. You've tried it Wait, <laughs> No, this is how fetishes are made, yeah. folks You don't want to have to think of eating worms To be able to orgasm <laughs> Well,
5: you know uh, The church is big on aversion therapy You know, that's what the whole shock therapy at BYU When they were, they were lighting up the homosexuals in the mm-hmm.
7: 70s And not just BYU
5: and it doesn't work, in case yep. anybody's wondering, aversion therapy is… <laughs> no, I, and I actually worked with one of the clinical mod-
2: monitors who gathered some of the, the data for the clinical study that they used to prove the, the worms and they put together one of the acceptance criteria on that.
7: Is that a they, they euphemism?
2: Asked, no, well, they, they asked, you know, do you love worms or do you hate worms? And if they actually loved worms, they wouldn't let them into the study.
5: Hmm. Huh, Interesting. It's true all right 12 during your toilet and shower activities leave the door oh leave the bathroom door or shower curtain partly open to discourage being alone in total privacy take cool brief showers this doesn't help your uh, companions masturbation efforts a- at all if, if you're like showering with the door open and everybody can see you you know a <laughs> little team team spirit here <laughs> um co- cold showers really okay
6: Cool, brief shower. I
3: had a companion that, that once cool. tried to uh, break out of a shower. He was in there for like three seconds and threw open the door and expected to just see me with like <laughs> concubines or something. <laughs> oh,
5: he's going to catch uh-huh. Oh, he was trying to catch me. He had his
3: suspicions. It was awesome. <laughs>
5: um, okay, let's see. Where are we at? We're at number um 13. Arise immediately in the mornings. Do not lie in bed awake, no matter what time of day it is. Get up and do something. Start each day with enthusiastic activity.
6: <laughs> Jumping jacks again.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, I, I guess this is thirteen. Is the morning wood problem? I suppose is what they're getting at here.
6: <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Fourteen. Keep uh, keep your bladder empty. Refrain from drinking large amounts of fluids before retiring.
6: What does that have to do with anything? Actually it has a lot to do with things. If, if sorry. But for men, what the heck?
3: My so wife I don't know about
6: men. I know <laughs> for women it kind of can feel better, right? But I don't think that has anything to do with men.
3: My wife brought this up last night, uh she she's an ICU nurse. And they were uh they were reading through these and one of the male nurses there on point fourteen, I guess that, that is actually a physical thing that you can have more of an erection at night if you have a full bladder. Really? So there's your answer. Wow! From I, I have no idea if it's credible. And
6: an erection always means. Oh yeah. No. Erotic. <laughs> right.
7: They're taking away all our fun. Darn it.
3: Uh, and and one
2: of the versions, and I was trying to find it earlier when you were asking me the question, John. That's why I was a little distracted. I was I couldn't find it, but it, it gave much more detail on fourteen, as as to why it said keep the bladder empty. I just couldn't find it.
4: Hmm.
5: Okay. All kidding what aside. All all kidding aside. Number fifteen. Um, reduce the amount of spice and condiments in your food. <laughs> eat, eat as lightly as possible at night. I thought they told us to eat like pigs. Up in number, where was it? Yeah,
6: don't worry about don't your worry weight. About go and eat.
5: Go, go eat.
6: Just don't well, put and any and ketchup on your You've heard the thing about Tabasco sauce,
2: right? The Tabasco sauce is a uh, uh, aphrodisiac. No. Yeah. It's it been, says it's
6: reduce said, the amount of condiments yeah. in your food.
5: It's a lot of mustard on your hot dog there, Elder.
6: Okay. <laughs> that makes no yeah. sense. Does it make it feel better? I, 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 it... Well, uh,
5: no. <laughs> All right. Uh, 16. Wear pajamas that are difficult to open mm. yet loose and not binding. I thought they told us to wear tight pajamas up here before. I'm getting confused.
6: Difficult to open is the key. Buttons. Lots of buttons. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, number 17, avoid people, situation, pictures, or reading material that might create sexual excitement. Okay. People. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, number 18, it is sometimes helpful to have a physical object to use to overcome this pro- this this problem. <laughs> like a writing crop. Is that- <laughs>
6: what? That's my... A Book of
5: Mormon held fir- firmly in hand, even in bed at night, is Proven episodes.
6: You hold it in one hand, though. I mean, what are you doing with your other one?
5: All right, maybe Glenn is right. Maybe,
7: <laughs> maybe it's okay if it's only one maybe hand.
5: Somebody's making this stuff up. Thank
2: you. Another ver- another version has a Bible instead of the Book of Mormon, and yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the thing with this list. Is it? It's very clever the way that this one's written because it starts out much more believable, and as you get towards the end, it starts getting a little bit more ridiculous. Although the worms, I think, takes the cake on this one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, no, one's, that one's pretty. We're that about one's
5: to number good. nineteen. In very yeah. severe cases, it may be necessary to tie a hand to the bed frame with, with a, a tie. tie. <laughs> oh, you didn't mean like a necktie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In order, Kinky. he doesn't want you buying actual like fur no, lines. Just use your tie because
6: you're a missionary, right? In
5: order the habit of masturbating in semi sleep condition can be broken. This can also be accomplished by wearing several layers of clothing, which would be difficult to remove while sleeping.
6: Half asleep. Well, half, half asleep. Is the, they're trying to get rid of the half asleep masturbation problem.
5: There, people have done this. Missionaries have done this.
6: What? Masturbated while they're half asleep? No,
5: tied their hands to the bedpost. I how do you tie it. both of your hands to the bedpost and then how do you untie
6: them? <laughs> you have your, uh, Are you using your, your, your kinky partner. Your partner.
5: <laughs> You're, you just tie your, the, your, 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 the action side down. <laughs> <laughs> um, <I'm sorry. laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Some entrepreneurial
2: person out there has to actually make this. Like an easy, snappable...
5: Elder cuffs. You know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. Velcro would maybe be handy. Um,
5: <laughs> Hey, bro! Time you I just okay. can't imagine anybody really, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't. Um, set up a reward system for your success. It does not have to be a big reward—a quarter in a in a in a receptacle in a receptacle each time you overcome reach a goal. Spend it on something which delights you. and <laughs> will be a continuing reminder of your progress.
6: Something um, that delights you for
7: a quarter.
5: Yeah. yeah, it was a dollar in one of the other ones. There. I'll stop. I, I I would worry that people would think it's a swear jar and that I had a potty mouth.
7: Well, and how about this? Well, my version, the one from uh, Light Planet says, You can do it. The joy and strength you will feel when you do will give your whole life a glow of satisfaction and fulfillment. Isn't that afterglow? I don't know.
5: It's spiritual afterglow. not yeah. the... All right. Number 21. Um, do not let yourself... Return to any past habits or attitude patterns that are part of your problem. Satan never gives up. Be calmly and confidently on guard. Keep a positive mental attitude. You can win this fight. <laughs> the joy and strength you will feel when you do will give your whole life radiant and spiritual glow of satisfaction. Oh, I'm
7: so, so sorry. I came early. <laughs> Some people do that.
2: So, uh, if, Saint, if Satan is like kind of the antichrist, then wouldn't he also be kind of lazy? Maybe, maybe, how do we know he doesn't give up? I don't know. Maybe he's just kind of like a, maybe he is kind of lazy. I, I don't know. The, the, I the, I didn't see that line in the other one, so I kind of like that line here. Satan never gives up. You know, the problem, maybe it is there and
5: I just didn't pay attention to it. It's, it. it's problem even in
6: italics.
5: Yeah. I know I brought this up in past um, podcasts, but it's it's worth bringing it up again. The, the problem with the Mormon conceptualization of repentance and all that sort of stuff is if you masturbate, you are a masturbator, you know? If you drink alcohol, you are alcoholic. If you look at porn, you're a porn user. So the problem is, is masturbation, as we've mentioned over and over again, is pretty normal. It's pretty healthy. A normal, healthy young man, especially who's not in a sexual relationship is likely going to masturbate occasionally from time to time, even if he's trying real hard. But the problem is once he does, you know, he can go through all this stuff and spend eight months clean and celibate and, you know, he takes himself out to dinner. It's a nice meal. Looks Analyze. at himself in the mirror. Looks admires himself his... in the mirror a little bit. <laughs> you know, he's not wearing six layers of clothing. <laughs> but you know, my, my 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 point is, he's 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 now undone all of his repentance. Mm-hmm. Satan never sleeps. He's now a masturbator again. Oh, he's worse.
6: Yeah, he he's really failed this yeah, time. Yeah, he's worse.
5: So so as long as you you know you have this big act of. Repent, you know, you can't go to the temple, you can't do that, and you have to stop this activity because it's not like in these sort of things you see in a lot of speeches, it's not like we want you to reduce it, you know, masturbation is not that good, try to cut back a little bit. That's not what it's talking about here. It's saying you got to overcome this. Can I, can I
2: share my favorite, uh, mas- you know, anti masturbation story from my mission? Please. This is, this is one of those supposed stories that the mission president, just before my mission president, delivered in his own conference where he stood and said, supposedly, sisters, I'm standing here before you telling you, start wearing your hose. And elders, I'm standing here telling you, stop playing with yours. Oh. Every time an elder comes before me with the problem of masturbation, I give him a CTR ring to wear. And at this point, every elder out there in the audience that had a CTR ring sat on his hand.
4: Oh. <laughs>
2: and so that's that's the story the way that it was told in my mission. And whenever it was told, I heard it several times, everyone would crack up and they just absolutely loved that story. Did, did you guys ever hear that?
6: No. Or is this new first, uh, first this? time. Ladies wearing hose and
2: Yeah. I mean that one's kinda of got that nice parallel. Did did but you've heard the thing about the C T R ring and masturbation. No. You, know? no. you haven't? uh uh-uh. Do people wear it as a deterrent?
6: <clears throat> no.
5: No, they give but it to be- eight-year-olds. I've never, never be- heard that before. People on the board? Anyone? Maybe that's why it has the little, like, sliding on the other side, so it gives you a nice pinch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
6: Well, um, you know, when when I, and I'm sure this is true for for a lot of people, when I was um, a teenager and I was masturbating, I thought... Every, every time and and I would feel horrible and I would think, well, if, you know, as soon as I get married, then, then, you know, that will just totally go away. It will not be something that I would even think about or desire. And, and you get married and it's still present. It's still something that serves a purpose, a special purpose beyond, you know, intercourse and relationships with, with someone else. It's something, it's not always just sexual. It, it serves a, a another purpose, I think, a lot of times, and it it's kind of healing and soothing, like like Robin said.
3: Yeah, I would venture it's part of the very, you know, a, a healthy sexual relationship. You know, I, I, I'm not qualified to make that statement, but you know, it right?
6: Is, it just be, because you're masturbating when you're married doesn't mean that. You're not having a fulfilling sexual relationship with your partner; it's a totally right. different
7: thing. Correct. Right. And I remember seeing a Family Home Evening manual that really incensed me, um, claiming that that's not okay in marriage. I'm like, well, what if you want to do it together? Mm-hmm. That's a mutual masturbation that works. Mm-hmm. But right, hmm, it serves many. You purposes. have to have radical acceptance of yourself bec- before you can show that kind of love and acceptance to someone else. In the way they truly deserve it, like you do. Mm-hmm.
5: So, you know, I, I think for the, the the last thought here, you know, why why did we select this talk? Obviously, as Glenn has told us over and over again, um, it may or may not be um, as as real as someone have us believe. But I, I think I think attitudes about masturbation in the church and in society in general um, need to change. It, it, it's it's something that you know has been. And I, I think it is changing. You know, it's becoming very acceptable in the media, um, you know, to to joke about and acknowledge masturbation. You would never see that like if you are watching TV in the fifties. Um, so, so I, I I think that that's a positive change. And I think the same sort of thing needs to happen in the church. They don't need to like get up and and joke about it in sacrament or anything. <laughs> but I, I think it I think it'd be healthy to take it down a few notches. You know, once again. It, there have been some serious problems and people who are, and even out there today, there are people who are seriously suffering for something that shouldn't be an issue at all, that there is a lot of guilt and there is a lot of um, self-loathing and and there's a lot of people who would otherwise be great spiritual contributors who are who are tied up around this issue.
6: And they probably end up masturbating more because of that self, self-loathing.
5: Right, and the church needs to send out a letter that says something like this, you know, from the First Presidency. Bishops can no longer ask anybody about, you know, masturbation. That's a private thing. It Nor won't can be they a discipline consideration on Yeah, it won't be a consideration on worthiness. Um don't ask. Don't probe. Don't grope. Don't.
6: Don't. Did you say don't grope? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. I guess my you mind You lost my, me
7: on the my, probing. My mind was somewhere I, else. I think
5: I think even then, I mean, it,
2: there's there's still <laughs> so much that's permeated the culture e- even bishops not asking about it I, I i just don't think that would be enough yeah I, mean, the- I, I think there would have to be a more proactive approach to it i, mean, I, I don't really see it happening but
6: well they need it it to stop telling kids you know about self-abuse and 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 things like this and they should they should if they're going to talk to kids about sex they should mention masturbation as a great um safe outlet for their sexual feelings well Well, i think it starts
2: with the parents you know mm -hmm. with the parents and if if you are able to have uh, maybe the support of the bishop and i don't know who cares i i'll stop let me add
7: a little but if you really do push the self-abuse what's the next logical connection what you do to yourself is considered abuse what happens when your spouse does it Mm -hmm. what is it then It seems to make a logical connection that you would then start connecting that with abuse. And how healthy is that in a marriage?
5: Yep. I I do see a growing trend. It's probably a very small movement, but among like New Order Mormons who are going into interviews with their children, um, who say, you know, I'm not going to allow the bishop to interview my 13 year old daughter unattended. And I think that's probably a good move. If I was going to give people advice, I would say that. If you're still in the church, you know, it's not a bad idea to sit there and say, you know, there's there's nothing, Bishop, that you um, you know, you can't ask in front of me. And then if he asks something like that, I say, uh, uh, that's don't ask about that, because I, I I do think that we to be healthy in any relationship, you need boundaries. And for so long, the church has abused their boundaries, um, and they need to reestablish good, healthy boundaries with their membership. And this is one that the church needs to stay the hell out of it. It's none of their business, and um, it doesn't cause any problems. And it's it's just it's just stupid. It's just silly. Amen. All right. Uh, Any anybody have any last minute thoughts on uh, the the sin that dare not mention its name?
1: (laughs) I am grateful for music. music. It helps me feel understood. And I'm grateful to gratitude itself Thank you! It helps me look for the good Thank you! Look for the good Thank you! Thank you! I look for the good Thank you! Thank you! Look for the good Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones! Infants on Thrones!